Hello everyone and welcome to This Nintendo Life episode 172. My name is NBZ uh, and uh, I, I exist. I'm here. I'm still alive. And so too is Bally who joins me. How are you doing Bally? I'm doing well NBZ. Uh, we've got a lot of games to talk about this time. Uh, I know we normally have quite a few games but... That seems to be an increasing trend I guess. Yeah. Uh, just generally. Um, and I don't know... If that's because we're just constantly stuck indoors and we're just like, we just got to play everything and do everything. But uh, yeah, it just continues to be the case, I guess. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these games are, I guess, shorter games. But as you said, we are stuck indoors and, you know, there's a lot of good games going on at the moment and we want to play them. I might be able to go to your house soon, maybe. Uh, yeah, we'll see what the true. laws happen. So that could be a cool thing. And maybe I think we're one phase away from that. Yeah, we're one phase removed, so then we could play some Smash Brothers because that Arms character is hopefully going to get announced. Probably by the time this episode goes up, everyone will know who that is. But uh, but yeah, fun times. Uh, cool. Well, hello. We're here to talk about Nintendo and video games on this very sh- here show, this podcast. Um, and uh, and yeah, we've got stuff to discuss. So, Bali, how about you tell the folks what we're going to discuss? Um, and then we also have uh, another announcement to do after the fact. Yes, so for our first segment, we're going to be talking about the games that we have been playing. Second segment, we've got some emails. And then third segment is just a couple of news stories that we want to touch on, uh, check in with. Uh, yes, but as you said, we have our next Backlog Club announcement. So we put yes. out a poll in last last time's episode. Uh, it was between Metroid Prime, Federation Force, Nintendogs plus Cats, and Kirby Triple Deluxe. And our patrons voted, and they have they decided... Did. The next game we will be playing in our backlog club is Nintendogs Plus Cats. So by a landslide, by a landslide, <laughs> it wasn't even close. We put up the poll, and Emmy says, "Like, yeah, Triple Deluxe is going to win. Everyone's going to want yeah. that one." I was like, "Okay, yeah. okay." Emmy's okay. taking a claim. I feel but... like we've put Triple Deluxe in like four polls, and it never <laughs> wins. Well, so maybe that says more about Triple Deluxe than we would like to admit. Don't don't challenge democracy. All right, if people want Triple Deluxe, they'll vote for it. So yeah. <laughs> We'll see. Uh, but yeah, with Nintendo Plus Cats, um, I've already got my copy of Poodle, I guess. It's the Poodle one. I've got my Golden Retriever is coming today in the post. Okay, good. Um, don't post Golden Retrievers, people. I didn't mean it like that, but yes. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be a nice respite because like, playing games like Last of Us Part 2 is like, <laughs> I, I, I could take some Nintendogs <laughs> on the side, you know, like as a little respite. Um, so yes, if you would like to play along with us, uh, you can get it. It's pretty cheap on the eShop actually as well. Like you can download it digitally because it's part of the Nintendo Selects line. Um, so it's like a half price 3DS game. It's like $15, 15 quid. Um, uh, or you could probably find a cheap copy online somewhere. But yes, we will be talking about Nintendogs plus cats. We don't know what show we're going to talk about it on yet, um, but we'll we'll nail down those details and we will let you know when you need to play it by, um, yeah. and then we will have a big discussion. I think it might be one of those games where it very much depends on how much you're enjoying it with how much yeah. you play, because I think it, I certainly remember the first game being quite open-ended. Like There were certainly things you could do in the competitions but if you weren't interested in them like it was very much about just how much you wanted your dog to learn or i guess but totally because i remember you being heavy into all the competitions and getting gold medals in all of them the only one that i went heavy in was the actual uh voice commands one where my dash and cloud was able to win the gold medal at the highest level of voice competition where you're telling nice. him tricks to do and he does the tricks yeah um, i i was just so. getting if you because if you keep winning just like the frisbee and the um 
the like assault obstacle course, course one yeah. or whatever it's called it yeah. was just like a really quick money maker you know and i could buy those uh-huh. nice nice treats and things so yeah. buy those mario karts man love those mario karts get them mario karts oh that was a good time well we'll see if there's uh, any of that fun stuff in nintendogs plus cats but that will be in the future so get playing nintendogs plus cats i'm sure everyone could use uh, some of that in their lives right now so i uh, hope you guys enjoy as we uh, as we will talk about that soon but first, let's talk about other video games. Bally, uh, you've been playing a lot. Uh, what has, uh, what's what been taking your fancy recently? Me and Caroline have been playing the co-op game Unravel 2 on yeah. Switch. So you messaged me and you were like, oh, Bally, this game's on sale. I was like, all right, I'll buy it. And then it yeah. was like, okay. <laughs> like Long gone quid. are the days of Bally being like me messaging Bally. Like, here's a sale. And you being like, no, and we said, I have my list. I need to go one by one down this list until I finish these games. I mean, I still have my list. It's just, yeah. I, I am, it's a, it's a fairly flexible list. It's just a list of games I intend to play. Yeah, you've mellowed out a bit more these days, I think, in terms yeah. of when you play, what you play. Yeah. Also, it probably helps that it's a co-op game, right? Because that, you know, more time for you guys to true, like just do true. co-op stuff together. And, and having a strict list when you have Game Pass is just not a good combination. I think you've got to have a bit oh, of no. flexibility. So, yeah, definitely wanted to jump on this one um yeah it's like a it's a if i think yarny you played as in the first game it was just it wasn't co-op it was just single player and now i think so yeah you've got like two yarnies and they do all sorts of puzzle platforming together and like it's some really impressive puzzles in there like i i think that just the combination of one character standing on the ledge the other hanging down and then swinging in order to reach a ledge far away enough that a single yarny wouldn't have been able to reach is just a really simple and they repeat that mechanic a lot but as simple as it sounds it's very satisfying it's very impressive um so you're working your way through sort of these seven very long levels like each level must be like 40 minutes long roughly or half an hour like there and these levels are made up of like platforming areas but also purely puzzling areas so like there's some really interesting contraptions where you're pushing blocks and you're creating you can tie like uh your thread your your yarn to like multiple points and then create uh tension in your kind of knots in order to move blocks using these platforms you're creating and is there like a limit to the amount of thread you can use because i've definitely seen puzzles where you're like pulling it over a thing so someone can land on because i remember a puzzle where there's like electricity on the ground and one person drops down by a thread like swinging and then they place a thread across so the other person can just land on the thread instead of falling into the electricity like does that can you get to the point where you unravel your character completely or do they stop you well before that um you're permanently attached to each other you will oh you will i should have said that that's you're permanently attached to each other but you can hold a button to hold tension so you want to hold tension if your other character is going to do like a um a bungee jump off off the side you know like if if you're not holding tension and they jump off the side there's every chance they'll just pull you off so like you have to so you can set the game to have like automatic mode where if someone does a bungee jump it'll automatically the other character will automatically hold tension uh but we did the mode where you manually do that just because it gives you a bit more freedom basically so often caroline would like jump off a ledge without telling me like i've seen the jump i need to hold tension and then occasionally We'd be like, right, so this is, I think one of us has to jump down, and then I'd go like, three, two, one, and we'd both jump. 
<laughs> like essentially holding each other's rope and jumping off a cliff and there's some really funny moments with that and you definitely do have to coordinate and be like right one person is staying as the anchor and the other is like geronimoing off the off the side you know so like yeah there's some really funny moments to do with that um and like as i was saying like there's some really interesting contraptions where you're you're like using the thread almost as like to turn cogs and things and machines and parts moving across the level and one person's on one side the other's on the other and there's a lot of uh puzzles where there's like a white light on opposite sides of the screen and the puzzle is to get both yarnies standing in their white light at the same time so essentially one yarny will have to help the other up onto a ledge and then they'll have to work out a way of flicking some switch or doing something in order for the other one to also reach the white light and then move on with the with the level so it, right. it's, it's very cool yeah and i mean as a puzzle game right we know that you often come up against hurdles where you're like ah i don't like this because it's too complicated how, how what is the difficulty level and does it help that you're playing with caroline who maybe is able to help with some of those puzzles and and figure things out together yeah yeah i think two minds are definitely better than one for any puzzle game i'll definitely say that and i yeah. think we went to google once in the okay. whole game which for me is a good level of difficulty like I yeah think, it sounds like it i think with like for example the gardens between i went to google like once for example like I, it's a similar yeah. number of times it's when this games where you're constantly popping back where you're just stuck up against a brick wall and and i, I like it is very much fairly equal amounts of puzzling and platforming which feels nice and okay. the game actually has a really nice victory lap ending which is more platforming focused and they basically give okay. you a new power and the final level just feels completely different to the the rest of the game um it the setting is very unusual um it's a, it's semi it's photorealistic but graphically it's not it's not the best photorealism I've ever seen. Like, I think I would have... Yeah, I mean, I've seen screenshots of the Switch version and it doesn't look as, obviously, as yeah. sharp as the other versions out I mean, there. Like, I guess it, it still was running okay, right? Like... Exactly. I mean, if you're doing photorealism, realism, it'd be nice to just have better resolution, better fide- graphical fidelity, or go for a, a different art style. I think this game might have yeah. even excelled more going for a more interesting art style. But I actually think... It still looks pretty good. Um, what I've got more of an issue with is that there's this, there's this really strange story, and the story is told through these shadowy figures in the background, and it's basically like two kids escaping like a group of thugs. It seems like, and they're kind of running through different worlds, areas, factories, cl- closing doors behind them, and and that seems to be it like there's i don't i didn't really reach any resolution with that story it's not like it's not like it was even clear what the story was trying to say or just create like i think the game could have been just as good if not better just without that entirely like this world you're in looks looks nice enough and your two yarny characters are just kind of methodically getting through the world like i don't see the need to have these shadowy figures trying to tell another story so like yeah i don't know it's it's strange um what else do i have to say i think that it's really cool when you know big publishers like ea do smaller stuff like this because i think totally yeah it's very easy it's very easy for the big publishers to only ever go for you know their star wars ip apex legends you know jelly Fallen order the sporty fifa and madden that sort of thing and they're like 
the idea that and it's a very small um swedish developer i believe they are it's like coldwood interactive um and it this game just really feels like it has that um indie charm that like this is a, a smaller studio that it's a real passion project for these people uh and hey this game got a hell of a lot of marketing through a publisher like yeah i just think that's a really nice healthy thing for the industry for uh, publishers like ea to to pursue so like i just think it's the game is very it's a very strong game i think as a co-op experience for me and caroline nothing is beating overcooked 2 and overcooked at the moment that's like the the top echelon but you know i think this might be the, the next one after those ones i think oh, wow like me and caroline had a good time with something like snipper clips i'd put this in a similar category i think what about like lovers in a dangerous space time and stuff like that yeah i mean i liked that game a lot more than caroline but as like okay. us jointly enjoying the game i think this is higher um oh wow nice yeah it's only like five six hours long i think if uh you're into if you're wanting you can play the single player i i didn't try it i don't know how it works i probably wouldn't recommend it i think that um it would be a lot for your brain to think about i think it's easier to just play with two players um did and... you mention maybe that you one player controls both of the yarnies at the same time and then switches between them is that i don't know if that's the case but... I, that's how i would guess it would work but i i've not tried i'm afraid like i okay i, I think it um Certainly on more of the action areas, I think that would be really tricky. And I should say, like, some of the ways it forces you to platform is, like, there's things chasing you, which I think is always fun. Ah, and um, yeah. just any like any platforming experience where there's some a chase sequence, I, I definitely have a good time with. So it's cool that this game goes for that aspect of platforming, but also the puzzling aspects. Like, it's a really good balance. Um, now, here's the most important question, Bali. Does it commit the uh, Nintendo sin of making you use Joy-Cons instead of full controllers <laughs> for each person? It does not. And I think okay, that might good. be something aided by, like, the EA publishing side of things. You know, it's the sort of thing where Nintendo would make it like that, but maybe a, a different publisher sees that as stupid you know so like, right exactly um, yeah which it is passively yeah stupid. which it is so yeah i was on the pro controller caroline was just using my joy cons in the joy con grip and, and that okay. worked well so yeah nice. much more comfortable um for playing for long periods for sure so yeah definitely Great. would recommend it unravel 2 don't know if it's on sale anymore but maybe stick it on yeah. your Switch watch list yeah. and uh, it's the sort of game that'll definitely go on sale again um so yeah would highly recommend um great another game i've played uh caveat this one by saying i played this on xbox game pass and i hear the switch version has had some issues so maybe a touch of skepticism about this one and that game is what remains of edith finch um similar to a game like um hellblade i think the less you know the less you know about this game going in the better so just take everything i'm saying with a pinch of salt maybe just to i'm not going to spoil anything but like i said the less you go in the no the less you know going in the better right um, we've got timestamps, so you can skip ahead if yeah you need to. skip yeah. ahead if and i won't spoil anything overtly um but what remains of edith finch is very short game two hours it's the story of you're playing as edith finch and it's the story of her family and the, the history of her family is told through the exploration of her house and on paper that seems well, that's it just seems like very obvious storytelling but the, the what's unique about this game is each person's backstory so each person you find in her family and their backstory 
because uh, many of them are dead is how how what happened to them you know what like um for example you'll always you'll do like a you'll you'll open some you might open some book that you found in the house and then it'll flat it'll flash to either like a dream or a flashback or some other you know space entirely and create almost like a mini game that tells you about that person through this mini game and mini games may be the wrong word it's just a different type of storytelling yeah i, I wouldn't say mini game i would say like vignette right like vignette it's, it's kind is of a different better word. different vignettes with uh strange mechanics not strange mechanics but like mechanics that are not first person person walking through a house right so like yes there's one where you're swinging on a swing and you're like using a kite and the kite is like going around the background and there's a exactly. giant storm coming in and the kite is like hitting into things and you're like interrupting the environment as it goes and yeah, yeah so there's there's lots of different ways in which they they talk about the strange history of this family and like how everyone died and everyone dies in these weird different ways um, yeah. which are then kind of complemented by the gameplay changing every time that you find one of these sections exactly and um i, I watched sort of min max who i followed they did a show a deepest dive talking about this game one of the guys on there mentioned it's got a very lemony snicket vibe and like i thought that was a really good description of kind of the vibe it's very the vibe you get from this game like it is it's a it's quite a dark story it's quite um but it's told through something it's told through in a way that a younger person could identify with it's not overtly gory or you know violent in that sense um so, but it, it's still and it's not a horror game or but it's, it suggests it's quite a dark setting if that makes sense and like the house itself is un is really interesting to just like walk around um so it's definitely it's, it's not a dull walking simulator is my point like it's, it's very interactive very interesting like seeing um flags and ornaments and that represent all these people and their history and having a story told because i should say one thing, I love subtitles in games, generally speaking, and the first thing I did when I booted up this game was go to options and try and turn subtitles on, and there is no option because the words and the appearing on screen and the way it's telling the story, you see all the words and all the words are narrated to you, which I think is a really great combination. That's something generally I like in games, and the words are almost like rather than just appearing like subtitles at the bottom of the screen they'll wrap themselves around specific areas to make your eye focus on parts of the house and it's it's very immersive in that sense where um it's not just saying oh you should go here and, and that you can naturally explore areas but there's still a more linear path that the game is saying hey actually you need to look over there and you can always once it, the game forces you to look in a direction you can always look in another direction so like you have this balance of knowing where you're meant to be going but also what you would like to see um uh i've forgotten what my original point was going to be but i just want to say i like that thing about the subtitles um yeah and yeah it, it's a we were talking off mic just kind of like how last of us is very good but is it actually doing something unique to video games and we'd more or less agree that it's not in the sense that that story can be told through an hbo series for example and yeah, hence, yeah you know, exactly. they're going for an hbo series i think what remains of edith finch would be a very very difficult story to try and tell through another medium i think there's ways of doing it but i think that it would not it would lose a lot of what it has uh playing it as a video game and people often talk about like games that 
are really good to show someone who's a non-gamer to try and get them interested in the medium. And people often say Journey is like this game. And honestly, I think someone like my mum, for example, I think she would rebound off Journey in a heartbeat. I don't think she'd have any interest in that game. I think for her, she'd need something a lot more wordy, a lot more story-based. And I think this game would really do that for her. So I think at some point I'd love to try playing this with my mum and just be like, right, we're sitting down for two hours and you're going to play this game. Right. And obviously I think think she would get stuck at points, but I don't think you necessarily need... um, gamer brain programming like you would in a game like journey i would argue i think this game definitely Mm. explains and leads you in a way that isn't necessarily purely linear because i think there are ways that you can explore and there's definitely parts of this game you can miss very easily but i just think it does a really good job of not keeping the inputs too complicated and just keeping it all quite succinct uh in the in the way that it wants to tell the story it's telling yeah it's interesting what you say about journey because i've had multiple experiences where i've tried to get people to play journey and they just didn't connect with it at all like so my sister for example who she grew up playing some games with me right like her favorite game is soul Calibur 2 uh so like i think she likes mechanical like similar to me like she she thinks of video games as like you punch people you hit people you shoot people right and so she's not really when i tried to get her to play journey she's like this is boring i was walking around a desert like she she just didn't like i feel like you have to have an appreciation for games for journey in that way i think my mum would find journey boring boring as well yeah yeah and it's interesting because you say your sister like she comes at more mechanics perspective whereas my mum would want something very overtly story driven which i think yeah, totally. Edith finch is more so um yeah no that's interesting just because yeah it, it, it's tricky because um it's funny because on min max the guy i was talking about i've forgotten his name he was making the point that this is he feels this is kind of like a moment to rejoice for gamers that this is the game this is the this is the key that can prove to people that gaming is more than the the stereotypes of you know people in their basement sort of thing you know this is the game that can really reach the mainstream of being like hey this is what video games are about if you don't understand try this game sort of thing um of which we all know there's a lot of people out there and i'd be interested to test that theory out and maybe see online i i feel like it might not connect with as many regular people because there is like a magical surrealism to it right like there is this almost um high art element to edith finch that i i think that regular person might it depends on who they are right whether they connect with that type of stuff or not i yeah i would aim this at someone who enjoys high art in another medium i should say um so, sure. so for example my mom's very into like her poetry arts that kind of thing i that's part of the reason i think she would maybe enjoy this um whereas you're right someone who's just into maybe more mainstream things i don't know shows on netflix or whatever and you just said oh yeah this is what games are about i can i can maybe appreciate that might not have the same appeal yeah i do wonder though because like also another story with journey is like there's some friends at uni and i was showing them journey because i had it on ps4 as a result of having bought it on ps3 it's one of those weird things that sony did where they actually did let you get your older games uh, if they re-release them on the new system and uh and you know these are the type of people who played gta 5 they played call of duty all this type of stuff battlefront the the new one from ea stuff like that and uh and yeah and they just were like this is boring like they just didn't didn't get it at all um and and it is interesting that these types of games 
like we are more suited to them as people who understand games and are very into them and and can and can see the interesting things that they do but i think if you have less of familiarity with games it's um i don't know i i I think it's interesting because some some of them tend to maybe not work for people um it's it's weird yeah i would definitely like to do a test uh maybe take, sure. take three games maybe you think can be one of them and just test these three games on different people and we come back uh-huh. and talk about what works the best maybe that sounds like a fun segment it sounds yeah. like it's not worked out the best um yeah you getting your mom to sit down and play edith finch or at least like make her watch you as you control the character or whatever if that's a bit tricky for her to do right yeah like that would i think that's an interesting experiment that you can come back and report on at some point yeah and it's interesting because you say like she could watch it and i would admit caroline watched me play this and she got a lot out of it but it's that kind of brothers thing you know of like actually maybe the doing it is also an added thing that's so special about it and yeah. i don't know if my mom necessarily picked that up from you know swinging the swing with two analog sticks one leg right. being each analog stick that sort of yeah. thing um or the famous level with lewis that i don't want to really overtly spoil here but like the fish level yeah the fish level <laughs> yeah um let's call it the fish level um but yeah it's interesting i i i don't know how it would do but i will definitely report back when and if i try that <laughs> at some point in the future yes yeah but um i'd highly recommend you the finch i think it's a fantastic game um it's it's one of those things that, without spoiling the game um it's one of those games that I, in my view doesn't have an overt resolution and i actually still really appreciate it because we've talked numerous huh, times about how much i'm a big fan of overt resolution and i get yes. a bit i and don't get me wrong, I still had my my natural feeling when I don't reach a resolution of, oh, what's, mm, what does this mean? And right. I have to interpret it and it's like, oh, this needs sure. to go over a robot malfunction kind of thing. And it's like, uh-huh. um, I didn't feel that for so long. I felt it very briefly. But then once I sat back and thought more about the game, I was like, actually, no, it, it didn't make a huge difference, you know. And I actually really appreciated the stories this game was telling. And I, I liked that there. There are inter- interpretations of numerous aspects of the game. Um, and I came away with a really good feeling as depressing as many of the stories in the game are or were. Yeah. Like, I think it it really resonated with me. So yeah, I would highly recommend um, playing this game as well. Yeah, and uh, so the Giant Sparrow who made this game, their first game, The Unfinished Swan, uh, infamously on PlayStation 3 made me violently motion sick. Um, so <laughs> I, I have stayed away. Did you or did you stop? No, yeah, I I never finished unfinished one. It uh, it just ruined me. Okay, is it two hours as well, or I don't know. Yeah, probably maybe three ish. I'm not sure. I can't remember. It was uh, it was a while ago, but uh, I don't. I think they might have re released that on PlayStation Four, so okay. you may be able to to check that Apparently, out. Apparently, um, there is a link between that game and this game. There is, yes, yes. there is, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, but but yeah, so I was very trepidatious going into Edith Finch and. Uh, and I I was okay for the most part. Like I think the interesting part about it is because you are, yes, you are walking through the house a lot of the time, but you're also equally spending as much time in those vignettes where the yeah. mechanics are totally different. Yeah, um, yeah. To the point where it it was kind of like a good break in between each walking section almost to stop that from causing me too much nausea. Yeah, you can. Um, that's one of the options is you can set a reticle or not. So I put the reticle on just in case Caroline started feeling a bit yes. ill watching yeah, yeah, me. Yeah. But um, and she had no issues. Um, okay cool we played it in two sittings so yeah. great uh cool. fantastic 
so yeah, also Bali, we have both been playing uh, The Last of Us oh. Part Two, oh, uh, which only came out a couple of days ago. Um, but uh, yeah, early impressions is uh, it's hey man, you kill people and there are zombies and it's bleak, um, which I think a lot of the <laughs> internet has uh, has been agreeing with. Uh, how, how have you found it so far, Bali? Uh, I'm loving it so far. I'm maybe three to four hours in. Um, I agree with you in your summation of it. Um, but again, it's one of those things that, in my view, it's always more than the sum of its parts. And um, it's already hit me very hard. Um, it, there's a lot of plot threads going on right now that I'm interested in those, where they go, those resolutions. Uh, but gameplay-wise, I think it is... Uh, a real step up from the first game maybe not in terms of the infected fighting necessarily i do think the infected are tougher uh i am playing on normal rather than easy like i did with the first game but i think the human to human combat in particular is incredibly impressive so far a little bit more sandboxy more options um and i'm i'd say a bigger emphasis on stealth uh but that's just me yeah and there's a real there feels like more threat in terms of when people shoot at you ellie just like careens onto her back on the floor mm, like she mm. goes over and you really have to i think the thing that has surprised me the most about it is hey this isn't uncharted in terms of hey there's guys coming at you with endless waves and you have to shoot all your bullets at them and there's big yeah. damage sponges it's far more like boy i only have a couple bullets here i better make these fucking count because otherwise i'm shit out of luck yeah and it's more like rather than waves of enemies like you said it's like we're gonna have four really intelligent enemies that know how to swarm you group up on you and you know come at you communicate with each other yeah right and it's interesting you say about ellie getting shot back because one mechanic and i noticed this in the joseph anderson video i was watching about last of us part one is that the very first shot that's always shot at you in Last of Us 1 will always miss you. It will always go over Joel's shoulder. And huh. that's a way of alerting you to be like, you're under fire and you're about to get shot kind of thing. And I, I just don't think that game has, this game has that. Like, I think yeah. you just, you take it in the chest and get knocked back, as you said. So Well, so uh, this is the interesting thing, because Naughty Dog have actually explained what their health system means in their games, right? Because theoretically in uncharted nathan drake gets shot a bunch and he takes damage and you see the blood like seeping in on the screen uh but naughty dog like i guess this was either retconning or whatever have said that when that stuff happens that is like him getting more and more in danger quote unquote so he's never actually being hit by bullets yeah. when that stuff appears in uncharted nice, it's nice more retcon. like yeah they're going past him and then eventually he will get shot by one and that one is the one that kills him i guess it's kind of to get around the stuff in cutscenes where like oh someone gets shot in a cutscene and it's like mortally wounding but nathan drake runs around and gets shots a hundred times but is still somehow able to survive yeah. i would argue that probably the stuff with ellie falling on her back is more like her getting the fuck out of the way of the bullet coming at her potentially i don't know right um, right especially yeah. in a world like the last of us where it's more grounded you would imagine they'd want to make that be the thing um although yeah. it makes less sense because the way you heal yourself in last of us is like there's active healing as opposed to hiding around a corner and regening your health like you're literally wrapping bandages around yourself so maybe that's not the case yeah there's more pressure to do things cleanly if you have like a messy encounter in uncharted it makes little to no difference in last of us it's all right pain in the bum making sure you got the materials to heal up again yeah like definitely messy encounters in last of us will leave you just f with nothing left right yeah, like because yeah. you're gonna rely on using your gun a bunch you're gonna rely on healing yourself back up from taking stupid hits um it definitely 
yeah, it's definitely interesting. And it's weird because so many people have talked about dissonance, right? Uh, ludonarrative dissonance, a phrase that everyone uses in the video game industry that I think has kind of fallen out of vogue to some degree. But the idea that Last of Us and, you know, the, the themes of it and the, the message of this game is like, hey, maybe revenge is bad. And like, I haven't got to the point yet where they're like, hey, maybe you're going too far. And, and you know, people have talked about how the game maybe tells you that violence is bad and then doesn't really say anything else about it and like kind of castigates the player for being complicit in the violence that they're enacting and yet also having gameplay that is just inherently fun right like the 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 combat in last of us i found very enjoyable i have been like oh yeah cool like i shot that guy and did it blew this guy up and like there is this weird way in which they are shaming the player whilst also creating a game that is inherently makes violence incredibly satisfying and enjoyable right um and i i don't think i'll know how to feel about that until i get to the point where they start doing that a bit more um to yeah me, so yeah no i i'm i'm maybe like three four hours in i think you're about 11 hours in yeah close um, to that so by some people's estimations you're about a third of the way through the game and i've barely played a quarter so right yeah yeah so like, we'll see how that pans out a few people have said it's a very long game so yeah interested to see where it goes but i'm i'm very positive yeah. so far i think mechanically massive improvement on the first game so far and plot wise as strong if not we'll see where that goes totally i, I we were talking about this before we started recording but the thing that has impressed me most about last of us aside from the incredible performances and the nuance and the faces and the voice acting and all that stuff which naughty dog are top tier at like there's literally no one better than them at it uh like the ropes and the breaking of glass like the little ways in which you can actually interact with the environment and a little bit of environmental puzzle solving that's gone on like there has been some very satisfying moments for me of finding a way into an area by manipulating the environment and using it in a way that felt like doing stuff in breath of the wild to some extent and it's weird because naughty dog games are not known for that naughty dog games are known for funneling you down a linear path through a story uh for you to be delivered cutscenes, right and this this felt very different from that and it it feels like if naughty dog went down the route of trying something like breath of the wild they could pull it off and i would be very interested in it because that like there yeah. are the seeds being planted here and it's definitely not the focus of the game but some of that stuff has been very impressive to me so far um, definitely so. i mean everyone goes back and forth in this debate like no naughty dog should do another last of us and they should do another uncharted and it's like the only reason last of us exists is because they walked they had a break from uncharted like yeah <laughs> but like i would always be in favor of them trying another new thing rather than sequels god to, i hope that they you know. do something else i hope it's not last of us part three like please just like i get it people love this series but i i, I mean i think there will be something else and then last of us part three i, I do maybe think, i think if, uh, nothing is a is a duo duology or whatever you would call it these days like right, duopo- yeah. duopoly duo um duology i would say yeah, is it's, term. everything's always a trilogy if it can possibly be so we'll see yeah we'll see uh cool so i also played uh so our way forward uh sent a code over for the new shantae game this game actually launched on apple arcade last year which, like, for a game like Shantae that's, like, yeah. a side-scrolling platformer action game, I don't... Like, obviously, you can play it with touchscreen buttons, but who the hell wants to do that, right? And um, and you could connect a controller millennials. to it, whatever. Not millennials. Gen yeah, mill- Zeders, Zo- Zoomers, you mean. All those... We're, yeah, we're millennials. All those Zoomers <laughs> out there playing on their phones. Um, 
which fine like i'm sure yeah there are people who do that and people enjoy it but uh, for a game like shantae like no absolutely i would wait for a console release for that so they sent the uh, a switch copy along and i played through it and uh, this is my third shantae game i think having played uh the one on 3ds which is pirate's curse i believe and then yes. i played half genie hero on switch a couple years ago um half genie hero i generally tended to like more and i went back and listened to myself talking about it i think one of the reasons why half genie hero stood out to me is that i think my biggest problem with shantae games is that they do the kind of pseudo metroid thing and they don't tell you where to go but it's in a way that is annoying because it's more about like finding a specific thing with an item and talking to a person and them not being very clear about where that is and not putting a marker on your map and stuff like that whereas half genie hero had a house in like the hub area where you'd go in and it'd tell you oh go here do this like it just was very straightforward about it and didn't like muck you around and this game like goes back on that which i really don't like uh it is the most traditional metroidvania shantae game i've played in the sense that it is one contiguous world there's no like hub area like half genie hero and there's no like sectioned off metroidvania islands like there were in in the pirate's curse it is one Mm, i really like that in pirate's curse yeah it was cool but i i I tend me personally tend to prefer just one world like a super Mm. metroid right where you just go around everywhere and this is traditionally what i like and ironically it's probably the shantae game i like the least um it does a lot of streamlining things so the the transformations this time you don't have to spend a couple of seconds dancing to turn into a monkey so you can climb up a wall right now if you jump on a wall you'll automatically turn into a little newt guy and the newt guy will just run dash his way all the way up if you swim in water are you saying are you saying nude or newt newt n-e-w-t okay yes, just no, no no shantae doesn't just throw off all her clothes and jump <laughs> into the water because then they'd have to rate this game something <laughs> different although to be honest with the cutscenes and and the amount of uh, uh women in scantily clad things in shantae games is pretty high uh, so i wouldn't put it past way forward to be <laughs> honest um but that said like you turn into a little frog when you sw- swim in the water it's an automatic transformation uh when you double jump you'll turn into a squid when you do the jump right so basically they are streamlining some of the movement abilities to make it much more streamlined in terms of traversing the world which is good i like that um but now it means that the dances are more used for puzzle solving so there's one dance where you shake the ground and it does an earthquake and it will like move boulders or move bits of the level out of your way so you can get past them and uh, and, and there's areas where you have to use uh healing magic which will heal you but it will also maybe um bring a flower back to life and inside that flower there'll be an item that you need to use or whatever so yeah the dances have become more puzzle based whereas the transformations are much more instantaneous and now you can kind of move around the level uh however you like but ultimately i think it comes down to it's just another shantae game and there's nothing particularly special about it right uh the level design is pretty mundane the uh, story and the writing is like it's fine but there's nothing interesting going on there overall like it just feels like another one and and i think shantae has never been a series that is that interesting on its surface like there's definitely cool ideas there like i I, i've enjoyed the music in the past one of the other bummers is there's no vert there's no jake kaufman on this soundtrack and so i could instantly tell the soundtrack was not something i was into like it was fine but it was very it was very passable like as as soon as i started playing the other shantae games i was like oh first level jake kaufman hits you with a fucking bang and and you're off to the races (laughs) this game doesn't even have that so it's like it, it feels it feels really stripped of i guess identity and like anything 
super interesting going on. Um, and, and yeah, as I said, like one of those frustrating things about Shantae is, hey, okay, I need, um, I need this stone. And you're like, okay, you don't tell me where it is. I need to go and find a new area and, and look around there. Is this where I'm supposed to go? No, I'm supposed to go to this other place because I'm actually supposed to get this other thing for this other guy who will then give me the stone that I can then give to you. And this requires me to get this nuts and bolts, which then I have to talk to this guy who gives me another thing, which opens up a door, which then means I have to go to these windmills and use my electricity power up to turn the windmills on. And then the windmills will work and they'll blow away the sand, which finds the nuggets. Like, right, like it's just like this chain of things I have to do. And... It's never really satisfying. A lot of it feels like busy work. But also, if I put the game down for like a day, which I did, like I put it down and picked it back up the next day, I don't have any marker on my map. There's no NPC I can talk to. Who I can't remember who I talked to recently. So I'm just like, what am I supposed to do? Like, It, it really is like Super Metroid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to some degree, right. Super Metroid has those flaws as well. But I would argue that like Metroid and game design has moved on since I completely then, agree. in some senses. <laughs> and, and even when it hasn't, stuff like Hollow Knight, yeah. it, Hollow Knight has never been... Uh, it was never about arbitrary finding of a thing to unlock area. Hollow Knight is open to the nth degree where you can kind of yeah. go around and fight stuff. But also Hollow Knight has incentive to do so because you're getting money that actually matters. Uh, there was a point at Shantae where I unlocked everything and money didn't matter anymore. And so exploration was completely meaningless. There's no there's no XP I'm gaining for leveling up like a, like a Castlevania game. So at some point it was just like well i'm just wasting my time right um so i and, and it's weird because sometimes they do put a blinking marker on your map and uh, like oh go over here and i'm like oh why can't you just do that for the whole of the game i did it, a lot of it doesn't make sense um but yeah ultimately half genie hero i found much more enticing i think half genie hero looks better i think it sounds better it's maybe a simpler game in terms of it's more level based than metroid style but honestly like i it's i kind of preferred it to this um so so yeah not super hot on seven sirens like it's it's very very passable uh if you you know it's one of those games where i i don't mind it's kind of like something to do with my hands right like if i'm listening to a podcast on youtube or i have a video podcast playing or a video essay playing on youtube i i prefer like the deepest dive with min max for example um uh, I prefer to do something while that plays in the background and not just sit and focus my whole attention on it, right? Mm. And Shantae is like, I guess the best I can say about it is it's something to do with my fingers to distract myself <laughs> half of my brain while I... So I guess not the most ringing of endorsements, but um, yeah. I mean, it's on Switch now. I think it's very overpriced. It's like 30 quid. Cause the, this is the problem, though. And I, I, you know, people talk about price discrepancy a lot. Like, WayForward is a big studio, and yet you know there are studios like team cherry who are two people with hollow knight or even golf story with two people and they can afford to set their game or even eric barone with stardew valley they can afford to make their game 10 quid because there's only a couple of people working on the game whereas when you have to pay an entire studio man it's it they have to make that money back but it it, it is weird when you take a look at a lot of these things and they're not comparable in terms of quality and length and all these other metrics but yeah um, and then, like, you compare it to the fact it's on Apple Arcade, which is how much a month at the moment? I like, think five quid a month, yeah. Right, so it's just, like, me as a someone who's not played... I mean, I don't want to play it with virtual uh, no. D-pad, obviously, but, like, that is a very big jump in, like, price that just... It's, and we've talked about pricing in games. We're in a very strange place right now where we're sort of getting the, the worst and best of both worlds at the moment, and I feel yeah. like in five years that will probably be quite different yeah everything will change uh talking about capitalism uh let's talk about Whoa. night in the woods <laughs> uh, the time um, has come for mvz 
to play Night in the Woods. Yeah, yeah. I've been waiting so long for this moment. Yeah, so, man, I think that this... Like, this game is uh, hasn't ever had a better time to come out, probably, or, or be played or whatever. Like, it, when, it, when it came out in 2017, right? Uh, yes, 2017. I played it in it 2018. Did. Okay. Uh, yeah, because it feels like it was ahead of its time in some senses, right? Like, I feel like the discourse on billionaires and, like, eating the rich has only been, like, the last year or so, I would say. Like, maybe mid-20, late 2018 through 2019, the discourse of, like, hey, billionaires fucking suck, let's throw them all away and, uh, tax them to high hell and shit like that. I think, I definitely think people like, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez have risen massively in um you know fame is wrong with popularity aware yeah. people are more aware of her i think that all happened sort of second half of 2018 even though she was elected Probably. before that and that was in line with like the netflix documentary about her and just all the kick-ass things she says on twitter oh, that go viral yeah, for sure so, uh, this yeah. game definitely was maybe a little bit before that yeah i think it was slightly before that and there's uh, and certainly i'm sure there's you know there was a lot of things going on there but i guess I wasn't paying attention to it as much as I have been in the last two but years. But it's also very, like, it's very Brexit. It's very Trump's America. Um, yes. It's very the evo- the way that small towns have evolved. Um, right. And the, the issues that rise from that in relation to a 2008 crash. Like, I think it's, mm-hmm. it's playing more on those. Uh, it's playing on all these themes. It's not more on one than the other. But it was definitely referencing a lot of those things, I guess, more so at the time that have just kind of eating their own tail through stuff like the election of trump and um you know the effects of COVID 19 and black lives matter movement like these things have just kind of almost fallen in line with what this game has been saying yeah definitely and and so i find it very prescient for those reasons right it definitely is it's talking about all this stuff like across the board so what like at its core what is night in the woods well it's kind of like an, a 2D platformer where you play as a cute animal, right? Like, which yeah. is which is a weird thing to say given what we've just discussed. Um, but, like, the framing for Night in the Woods is that you play as May, who has come home from college for unknown reasons, um, is back home with her parents, and is back in her old town where a lot of her friends still live and work now. And the game is very... It, it very much um likes the idea or is is gets you familiar with the idea of mundanity right the everyday uh kind of waking up the same animation every day you wake up the same animation every day you go to bed it's kind of almost Stardew giving Valley. you this cycle yeah, sure yeah to some degree but like <laughs> Persona, far less yeah. far less positive and like optimistic than stardew valley yes. i guess stardew valley There's supposes no... a world in which yeah. oh let's go and live in this Id- idyllic town where we <laughs> yeah. do farm work every day and it's happy yeah, and great. It's great um uh, and that's not really the case here, right? Because a lot of the town's infrastructure has broken down. Um, it is very much like the the jobs that people have and the stuff that people are doing is they almost feel locked in a cycle, like B in particular. So she has a friend called B who's like a crocodile and she has a situation where her mother passed away from cancer and her dad is mentally unstable and he owned this business and she has basically been forced to be running this store every day because as a result of the medical bills uh from her her mother passing away they were destitute they lost their house and they have to basically she's basically just going to work every day and doing this and kind of trapped in this this cycle which i find is like probably the case for so many americans right like it, it 
especially with the um the medical stuff right which is a thing that was very foreign to us in the uk of not having to mm. you know worry about paying especially when someone when you lose somebody and yet you still have to pay the medic like it is just for me that is just disgusting like i cannot abide by it and it like i don't understand how america functions in that way it is just it's not actually eye-opening because i've known about it for a while but it is just baffling almost um uh, and that the people can be put into these situations and yet you also have these others who exist in the world who are just exploiting uh, all this labor uh, uh, and that is just I, I think one of my favorite characters is selmas selmas is this little bear who sits on the um the steps uh going up the hill like when you're about to go up the hill to the town and you talk to her every day and she has like these fun little poems for you and like her poems are like like one of them is like i got mad one time it was online <laughs> that was the poem <laughs> like like in that very short amount of time you you're saying something quite biting uh quite funny um but also very very true uh and there's this moment where you go to the library and you're kind of there is there's like this supernatural story that happens uh, uh, on the well i guess it's kind of the main thrust of the narrative in some senses but i would argue that the supernatural story is kind of a framing for the more interesting issues that the game touches upon and talks about um i'm not that interested in the resolution to the whatever that is i haven't finished the game at this point like i'm close to the end resolution's decent by the way and it does play okay. into its own themes but sure yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure i'm sure it does at the moment i'm kind of like ah we're chasing ghosts whatever that's not really what i'm interested in here um <laughs> but you go to the library to kind of research like ghost stories and then you come down and selma's is there and she's part of this poetry society and these other poets like say they're rubbish poems and then she's like all right and you're expecting something similar to what she's done which is like very pithy very short very kind of sharp and biting and then she she just said so i'm going to read out this entire poem because i think it's just very good um so it's called there's no reception in possum springs no reception here i wave my black phone in the air like a flare like a prayer but no reception i read on the internet baby face boy billionaire phone app sold made more money in one day than my family over a hundred generations more than my whole world ever has where house buying jobs become rent paying job become living with family jobs boy billionaires money is access access to politicians waiting for us to die lead in our water alcohol and painkillers replace my job with an app replace my dreams of a house and a yard with a couch in the basement the future is yours force 24 7 entrepreneurs I, w- I just want a paycheck in my own life i'm on the couch in the basement they're in the house in the yard some night i will catch bugs out to the west coast and burn their silicon city to the ground and like moments like that happen when you don't expect them and they just feel like punches just complete out of like because the game frames itself as this kind of cutesy art style and like there there's a a real light-heartedness to it amongst a lot of the more difficult stuff that it's grappling Mm -hmm. with when it really goes in like that and punches hard i think it just lands so strongly um because like that entire (laughs) that entire screed is just the entire politics of america right now yeah. right like it, it it represents everything that is happening um and i think it is just so incredibly good at getting that across and sure maybe it's critiquing without solution necessarily right and i, I don't know where it goes whether mm. it supposes some kind of solution or or even revolution and you know there's also you go to a party with b and, and she's talking with people and they're talking about punching fascists and i'm like absolutely like the discourse is punch fascists um so so yeah it it it's interesting and yeah i don't know how you you feel that it lands that stuff but for me so far it's just 
just come at it very very hard yeah i mean i definitely took everything that you've already said from it there's one thread i'd like to cover which i don't think you've mentioned yet is that yeah possum springs is a former mining town and absolutely yeah they all worked in the mines traditionally and you get a sense of the tradition through like the library and i think there's a monument somewhere about and it references um like trade unions and some of the power and status that some of the workers previously had and i think these are things that mirror a lot to like british culture and our former mining towns and it obviously Mm -hmm. plays a lot into like our brexit discourse and things and i think that's just one other area that like politics on the side i think a huge reason that the left is struggling especially in like europe in comparison to previous generations is like lack of trade unions so workers who formerly worked in places like shipyards and mines now work in call centers and supermarkets and like these right. industry yeah. these industries by their nature just aren't unionized in the same way as they were back then and i think this game also p- talks about some trade union people i'm trying to remember what it says about them. there's there's a couple of like iconic heroes i believe they reference that are like former trade right. union leaders um that this town is now completely like lacking and i think that's just one more thread that plays into this wider reason as to why possum springs is the way that it is and how yeah people feel their status has just massively changed um through but mainly external factors 100 percent um and uh yeah i think a lot of that stuff is stuff that you will get the more you put into the game it really is because ultimately every day you wake up you do the same thing you go into town you explore town and you talk to one of your friends who you end up hanging out with or doing something with that evening and that's more like its own vignette kind of deal that you yeah. go and you go to another place like you go to the mall with b and you you like steal from a store and like there's a fun mini game where a, a lot of the um stuff that happens outside of you just side scroll platforming around the place is you see a little paw like you have maze paw and you use it to like grab things or like move things around and um it's it's a nice little mechanical way of of differentiating uh, some of that stuff so you like try to steal some records from the store and then you get away with it and then you come back and you're like ah this person's gonna get in trouble because like they aren't the system the system's gonna punish this poor worker just because someone stole something and it's gonna fall on that person even though you're trying to actually punish you know the people at the top but they're not actually going to feel any kind of significant loss from this and the only person who's going to get hurt in the equation is the actual person working the store um so like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff like that 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 the game goes over especially when you are exploring uh those smaller stories right like there's this ongoing narrative with this guy bruce who's a homeless guy who is seems like had uh alcohol issues and like is just near the church and you have this church lady the pastor who is trying to get away to to, like use the church to to house homeless people and to help them out and things like that and then you have this kind of group of four village council people who are clearly like the upper middle class of the town and they're like oh yes but we decide what's right for the town and oh yes this situation yes and you can clearly tell that they're like above it all and they are very much like oh yes but we don't want to you know stink out the the church with this homeless guy and it's just like these are the people who fucking suck right like they're the people who are in charge of things and and kind of trying to sort something out with this town but clearly everything is going to shit and they're not really solving any problems um and and yeah you don't really like that's a story that like slowly progresses you like get tiny bits and pieces of it every day as you go by and if you don't engage with it then you don't really get that so it i Mm. think the game definitely 
encourages you to go around and talk to everybody and and kind of exhaust the options almost um and to some degree i can feel like that can itself get mundane if you keep like going to the same places again and again but that is the point that the game is trying to hammer home to some degree right so like the gameplay is story in that sense um and and yeah i mean the other thing that i want to talk about is that (laughs) in this game that's essentially a walking simulator like the traditional it's basically just story being told to you it has a triple jump and it feels good right (laughs) like and and for me like that's a thing that has actually made the game even more enjoyable is that like it's mechanically sound which is so weird to say because that's not they know their market they know that there's going to be people who are very into the 2d platformers who might play this game yeah you know i think they but i don't know because i think they could have gotten away with it without having that stuff and yeah i think i think the game is stronger for having it because because it does instill that sense of like rebellion that that may has may yeah definitely you don't really know what has happened with her and i still don't know the full story yet like there are things you can surmise from what gets said but she definitely is a rebellious type and the ways in which you jump up onto the phone lines and you're just you know walking along the phone lines yeah. and you go off to the train tracks and a lot of that stuff is built in like walking on roofs it's built around the fact that you can physically do that with your triple jump and you can you can rebel of your own volition right and but it's like the 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 makers of the game want you to at least try to talk to as many people as possible but they've created in a 2d setting they've created quite a verticality to the town so i guess that triple jump also is just kind of encouraging you to speak to more people and experience more of possum springs and yes try. definitely it's it, there's multiple readings of it but that yes. may be one totally um and isn't that great that you can have a game where the triple junk <laughs> the triple jump has a reading to it right like right. um <laughs> it's yeah uh this game is is excellent it is it is very very good and um i i am thoroughly enjoying it i i was gonna try and finish it yesterday but i was like you know what man no like i need i'm gonna take my time with it because otherwise i would just be going to try and finish it to try and get to the end almost but like i don't that's not the point of this game right it's a pouring um examination of the state of current modern capitalism right and and what it does to people and 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 how people feel about it and 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 things like that and, and how it affects real people as opposed to the people in power um so so yeah it's, and, and it's biting of, it's very good one of the designers of uh night in the Wizard, i follow on twitter i can't remember their name but uh, um, it's at bombs fall isn't it he's been a guest on uh, uh beast cast before i can't oh, remember cool. his name but yes so i guess he's like part of infinite fall the developer and they sort of announced they're working on another game so yes the, they did. Uh, the art style from that one image they shared on twitter looks similar to this game but that's not to say mm-hmm. they probably might go in a completely different direction or but um, totally i'm pretty confident that's gonna also be a fairly political game so i'm excited to oh see for sure where they go um Definitely. and yeah i'm just really glad you finally played this game I'm so glad it, and i'm glad that you played it in a moment where black lives matter protests were in full force and then the sale not the sale the 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 fundraising Ichio bundle fundraising yeah. bundle and this game was part of that bundle that yes. is speaking to like talking about these issues i think that's right. very powerful the way it's all sort of come together and that this is the time that you played it like i think that worked out totally nicely i mean yeah like it it made sense for the developers to put this in that bundle right like totally. absolutely did um so so yeah i'm i you know i'm close to the end i think so i'll i'll finish it soon but uh but yeah, I've I you know there's 
for me when we're talking about a, a game saying something with its story and like being meaningful with it so far this is definitely like ahead of what last of us is doing and i think i'll <laughs> i'll i'll see what last of us is uh eventual message is um but yeah i think this definitely I can barely think of like a political message coming out of last of us like part one or part two so far like it's just it's, it's yeah. just i don't know i i we can discuss that another time yeah but, sure, like, sure. Uh, yeah yeah i just got i got a lot more out of the story of this game like as you say totally um great well that is i believe going to close us out for the first segment don't go anywhere we'll be back after this break reading some of your emails and welcome back to the second segment of today's show we have some emails lined up but if you would like to send in an email please write into this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com you can also post a comment in our discord server link to that in the description and on our twitter account it's a fun community in there you can post some questions have a chat to some pals uh it's good it's good going it's good going so Our first email this week is from Rock, who's from the internet. Hi all, I've just been listening to your discussion of Ori and have been hearing a lot about Metroidvania games, but have thus far been too scared to buy any in case I find the difficulty too punishing. So what are your favourites and are there uh, any you could recommend that aren't really hard? I hear Hollow Knight is brilliant, but it sounds like too much for me. Thanks for all that you do, Rock. Thanks, Rock. Um, it's a good question to ask because, uh, you know, we are very big fans, me in particular, of uh, the Metroidvania genre, the oeuvre, if you will. And uh, yeah, I think you you are right uh, in saying that Hollow Knight might sound too much for you. It's kind of like recommending Wheel of Time as your first fantasy book. It's like, no, no don't start there. Just start somewhere a bit more digestible and easy. Um, Hollow Knight is definitely a very, very difficult game uh, and one that... I don't think it really has, like, options for you to make it easier, right? It's more in the Souls style, no. where there's no difficulty select. It's just kind of one thing, and you can't really... There's no accessibility options for Hollow Knight in terms of that stuff, is there? 
Yeah, and and like I'd actually define Metroidvanias as having the ability to be different in two specific areas. I think one of those is navigation, and the other is just kind of enemy encounters, boss encounters. And I think a yeah. game like Hollow Knight is actually incredibly challenging uh, in both areas. Right. Whereas I think there's other games that we can talk about that are maybe more challenging in one area, but not the other. Whereas Hollow Knight just feels very brutal in terms of navigation, not knowing where to go, finding maps, but also some of those enemy encounters are just really, really brutal. Exactly. Um, and and that is one of the things that sets it apart. And I think why people love it so much is because it is challenging, right? Like people love hard yeah. games these days. It's definitely as a result of Souls, like it's coming to vogue. Um, and so it makes sense that people scream from the rooftops about how much they love Hollow Knight. But if you're not looking for a challenging experience, then it's not it's not going to be there for you. Um, of course, unless you build, unless you start playing some Metroidvanias, you're like, actually, I really like this genre. Maybe I should go and check it out because I have heard how people love it. And uh, yeah, yeah, it is yeah. great. So cool. Well, I, shall I recommend some more like linear Metroidvanias? Because like I, I don't know if I have a preference between like the more linear ones and the less linear ones, but I can certainly appreciate how smooth and fast flowing a lot of the more linear ones can be so i think games like metroid fusion is quite linear a game like gato roboto um ori and the blind forest the original is fairly linear i also think like guacamole is very linear i think guacamole is probably a really good example where the actual actual metroidvania parts in terms of the navigation are fairly simple um like it's, it's very linear but then it's got like these cool kind of melee combat encounters where you're kind of fighting through like a beat-em-up kind of hordes of enemies and then some of the bosses can be a bit tricky i know that we went back on the show ages ago mz and you made the point that like they've definitely made the game easier for that switch version when i eventually well i played it on wii u didn't i if they didn't make it easier i will feel embarrassed at myself uh basically <laughs> because yeah, it took right. me oh boy that jaguar man that motherfucker yeah yeah um so yeah i'd probably go like guacamole i think that's an easier game than ori or fusion or yeah um... i don't know like I, and also the other thing you have to talk about is platforming difficulty because yeah. ori and guacamole certainly have their fair share of challenging oh, that, platforming sequences yeah. so obviously right there's, there's three levels of difficulty right it's like right. the platforming the combat and the navigational uh, aspect yes um and yeah hollow knight doesn't really focus on platforming there are certainly sections of it that are very platforming based but i don't think it really excels in that arena um where uh, i think Hollow Knight focuses quite a lot on pl- like in comparison i think there's only a handful of games that are more platforming focused than hollow knight like um an ori or a guacamole i when i say platforming i i think along the lines of challenges with the platforming hollow knight doesn't really challenge you with its platforming for the most part there's definitely areas mm, like yeah, there's the, a handful of areas but i think also i played like the extended edition there's an area like the den of something i remember there's a really hard like sequence that you have to go through without dying uh, in hollow knight which i never attempted but for the most part hollow knight is like okay jump up to a ledge jump up to another ledge the challenge doesn't come from the platforming for the most part mm, in that mm. game uh whereas ori is all about you're jumping places and you're moving places and uh, both of those games the first one and its sequel are you could argue some of the most challenging platformers out there in some senses but it also depends on it depends rock on what your difficulty what you define as difficult right because i would say a game like 
you know, Bayonetta or Devil May Cry on a hard difficulty is way more difficult for me than a platformer on a hard difficulty um, because I'm just better at one thing than I am at the other. Uh, so, yeah, Ori, I've never found to be hard necessarily. I'm just good at those types of games, so I don't find them punishing or difficult. Um, but again, your your mileage will vary depending. So I think it's good to have different uh options available um because it's certainly in the first game the combat of the first ori is very minimal uh and it's it, it never really asks you to you know shoot stuff at big bosses like the bosses are platforming for the most part versus the second game where there are far more actual bosses that you use weapons against and you have to take down their health bar and that type of thing so mm. so they both provide different sides of the experience for sure i, I actually think um if you just want to like have a taster, I think going for like a much shorter Metroidvania, like a Gata Roboto, which yeah. is literally about two to three, two hours long, maybe, um, is a really good just taster of. It's a very linear one. Um, yes, there are bosses. There's a bit of platforming, but it's also on the easier side, just in terms of the comp. I, well, I died a bit. I, th- yeah. I think, but like, it's not too difficult. A little bit, but I I, I don't recall it being like this brutalistic thing. No, anyway. not at all. Um, so i'd definitely try that and then if you if you think atrobotta was like great and you enjoyed that and you want a game that maybe opens up a bit more then another like one which i think is like a good first example of where you need to know navigation a bit, a bit better is something like an axiom verge where i think that navigationally it's easier than a hollow knight or like a super metroid but it still takes elements from those and has it's got some challenging combat less emphasis on platforming i'd say and yeah so i think action virus just brings together some of those elements quite nicely as like an upgrade from something like a gata roboto it's interesting i actually find axiom verge to be one of the more challenging metroidvanias i've played certainly in terms of some of the boss fights uh, near the end and, and the combat surrounding it it definitely for me i found really tricky but i think it does a good job of like checkpointing you and giving you good save points and things like that so it's never really overly punishing in the way that a hollow knight is right like hollow knight there are certainly bosses like um the ghost guy who slams you in the ground and shit like that there's there's a good like three minute section of area you have to go through every time you die on him just to get back to him which is another part of the kind of punishment that hollow knight deals out to you is uh is that stuff so i would say if you want if you want a metroidvania that is feels modern that is really easy that is very short that is easy to get into and you have access to it which depends on what you own the best recommendation i have is metroid zero mission metroid zero mission yeah. is probably the easiest metroid game uh it looks fantastic still as a gba game it is really fast and frenetic it it is linear while at the same time giving you the room to explore somewhat it shows you like a point in the map that you need to go to but doesn't spell it out like fusion does um even though in, in many cases fusion like doesn't exactly tell you what to do Mm. um zero mission i think strikes the best balance and you can get it on wii u virtual console um but otherwise it's harder to get a hold of this is why we need gba on switch man like we just totally need those games on there because it would be so much easier to recommend zero mission like i would recommend zero mission to almost anybody who's interested in getting into metroidvanias just because it is so accessible and easy um and it's on the short side as well i think it's like maybe six hours i want to say i mean even less than that probably four to five you know yeah Uh, so yeah gato roboto and then if you like that zero mission yeah if if you have access to zero mission definitely seek that out 
Uh, what about an easy Metroidvania after Gatorobotto that's easier to access? Um, I So I really like Ritual of the Night, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. It is definitely more challenging than Gatorobotto, but I would say after you get past Zangetsu, Zangetsu is like an early boss who is challenging to the point where I think I died on him like 10 plus times. That is really the only difficulty spike I experienced in the game, though, because from there I started to like find all these crazy weapons, ridiculous combos that you can do, and tore my way through the rest of that game. It was so much fun to just like shred bosses. Uh, so Bloodstain certainly starts out a bit more challenging, but then it gets a lot easier as you go on with it. And I think as a next step from Gato Roboto, I would actually recommend Bloodstain Ritual of the Night. It's it's excellent. It's one of the best games that's come out in the last few years. So um, cool, yeah. It's it's very good. Well, hopefully that's a few Metroidvanias to give a whirl, Rock, and yeah, let us know what you try first and, yeah. and have it how it goes. Uh, Gato um, Roboto is on the Switch eShop, by the way, and so is yes. uh, Bloodstained as well. Bloodstained. Yeah. Um, our next question is from Trevor C, who's from the internet. I'm a big fan of the podcast, and I'd like to say thanks for making my days at work a lot shorter. While I love just about every episode of the podcast, my favorite are the Backlog Clubs, and in general, when you guys talk about retro games. So out of curiosity, what's your favorite era of Nintendo? For me, it's the GameCube and Game Boy Advance era. Like I said, you have the greatest home console of all time, as well as the second best home console, the Super Nintendo, getting uh, many great ports to the GBA. Thanks, Trevor. Uh, I... I find this one really tricky, right? Because there's there's That's certain tricky. points in time where you have a bit of crossover. Like, yeah. the 3DS came out, but the Wii was on its dying legs. Um, you know, you have the DS being in the mix alongside GameCube and GBA, right? Like, there's definitely... You could pick a moment where there's this kind of crossroads between generations. And there's, like, nostalgia, you know, and it's difficult to... yeah detach and sure. there's a lot of games we've played retro retrospectively of an era you know do they count for that era yeah i don't know however you want to t- interpret it i guess <laughs> um i yeah it's, it's tricky i would say probably weirdly my favorite era of nintendo is 3ds and wii u <laughs> like I'd, i'm actually probably the same if we're not yeah. talking about maybe present day yeah um and and i think it's because I have a much broader understanding of everything that was coming out during that period of time. I played most of what was coming out during that period of time, partially because it was very slim pickings for the most part, right? Um, But also because I think it was finally the era where old Nintendo games became the most accessible to people like us in terms of having save states, in terms of you know having a variety of different consoles covered with most of the big things available if you wanted to get access to them uh you know obviously it helped that the 3ds launched terribly and so we got the ambassador games on there um it helped that the wii u was floundering and so they would just like throw the kitchen sink at it man have a free pikmin 3 (laughs) yeah have pikmin 3 for free have um uh, all these other things like here's metro prime trilogy half price off as soon as it launches the day it launches on wii u uh you know it they definitely there was a fire sale kind of mentality at nintendo that made they did the humble bundle for god's sake they've never done one since right um <laughs> yeah. so so yeah i think in terms of quality of games that i enjoyed playing just getting into the, i think getting into the deep cuts and talking about some weird stuff is is definitely uh up there because back then 
the media wasn't really covering Nintendo, right? Like, they didn't care about Nintendo until they came back with the Switch. Uh, and that's a thing that had gone on for a while, I guess, during the Wii era as well. But also, it felt like as a podcast, as we were talking about Nintendo, there were very few people out there doing the same thing and caring in the same way. Um, so I think that's that's probably why it's an era that I, I think very fondly on. Yeah, I, I'm more or less the same, to be very boring. But that sort of 2011 to 20. 15 era i'd say with the 3ds with the wii u was playing a lot of 3ds games when they came out was playing a lot of wii u games when they came out on top of that like you said the wii u virtual console was fantastic still is fantastic with game boy advance games super nintendo games and so on um obviously had the ambassador program on 3ds and on top of that it was like starting a nintendo podcast in 2013 like that was right in the middle of that era where i was playing more games more consistently and playing because of the access to all these virtual consoles and games and the ambassador program i was playing nintendo games from like lots of different eras in that one time frame um and it was just really nice to talk about a variety of new games and old games and talk about those on the show and i think that the period before that the sort of game boy advance gamecube era at the time there were very few games i'd look back and say actually that's a really great game that holds up um and a lot of the good games i like from that era i i played much later like metroid prime for example um like there were a few games i just missed out at the time where i was so obsessed by a game like wind waker double dash and after that the quality of gamecube games i was playing at that point in time kind of dwindles after (laughs) after a bit um so I think that's kind of what I grew up with and then more so going into the show that Wii U 3DS era. And I think while the Wii U, we've talked about many times, but while the Wii U was just a commercial flop, I think for a Nintendo fan who hadn't pl- who had big gaps in their knowledge in terms of classic Nintendo games, it was a really great system. Um, and I still rate a f- handful of Wii U games as some of like, my favorite games of all time, like Donkey Kong country tropical freeze pikmin 3 i think that wind waker hd remake is fantastic like there's just some really great uh innovative games as well like and mario maker launching on that system splatoon launching on that system like this it's just a really great system generally and it's kind of the the devolution before the the switch with that whole you know tablet mentality i don't think the switch exists in the same way it does without that wii u as much of the wii u was a big flop i just think that um it was really important it was something i really appreciated and yeah i must admit the current era for nintendo is we're maybe going to look back on even more fondly but because we're kind of still in it i think it's maybe hard to say i don't know right for for me part of the reason that era was so cool is that nobody else cared right so it felt like this exclusive (laughs) it felt like this exclusive club where i'm like yeah you know no one knows anything about nintendo but i do you know because i actually i i'm an idiot who bought the wii u and 3ds so i'm just gonna be a nerd about it right you bought a wii u on launch i did yeah launch day uh opened it trying to uh trying to hell man talk about a great wii u version of a game trying to like using the touchscreen to make the boxes as the wizard i'll tell you what no other console could do that could they no they couldn't you have no. to use boring hate, like, nintendo nintendo land is still one of my favorite multiplayer experiences of all time oh yeah um when you get five players on the luigi's mansion or like mario chase that is some awesome fun it's quality it's it's high quality stuff of course it's very rare that you ever get to do that thankfully we on multiple occasions were able to pull it off oh, uh but imagine uh, bringing that to switch and having an online mode you know oh. 
Yeah, I, there is something about the experience of being in the same room as people. I definitely understand that. Oh, it, it was hilarious, yeah. But watching you're right. Our friend Charlie, I specifically remember um, being the ghost. In he the was a fucking, just, he was a demon ghost. He just got such a kick out of, of sneaking up on us and getting us with the ghost. And yeah. he was just absolutely loving it. He must have won like six games in a row or something. It was ridiculous. Yeah, he was ridiculous. We were like, Jesus, yeah. no one could escape him. Um, he was loving it. Yeah, so so yeah, obviously a lot of fond memories associated with, with that era. But also like, there is a selfishness to it in terms of, hey man, no one else cared about Nintendo. We cared yeah. and we got through yeah. that together. And like, it's kind of like, you know, it's one of those things that I think made Podcast Beyond popular back in the day is like the PS3 was on the shits. Like no one cared about it. Right. And <laughs> it like niche. there's that smaller hardcore group of people who are just there for the hard times. Yeah. And I would argue that like, now the current ign podcast beyond is just far more boring because everyone likes playstation which i would also argue about yeah. switch is like the yeah, discourse everyone's... on switch is boring because everyone likes switch and so there's no right you don't you don't you have fewer of those hardcore enthusiasts who really totally. go deep on the platform like you did back in the day as much as it's cool that everyone talked about mario odyssey and breath of the wild um i agree it does feel very well now we're we're one of everyone talking about it whereas yeah. where were you guys when pikmin 3 came out you know? like, <laughs> motherfuckers you know, where were that's... you when rayman legends got delayed by ubisoft to come out on other platforms motherfucker <laughs> yeah. or like the original splatoon you know like these were big staples that came out um and then we covered on the show when very few other outlets that weren't like you know nintendo focused really talked about them in a meaningful way um maybe splatoon's an exception i think a lot of people appreciate that that game but uh yeah i agree it's a weird feeling and nintendo has gone back mainstream again but but you know that that's not going to last forever and we'll be we'll be here when (laughs) um we have to go into the hipster uh, side rooms again, you know? Yeah, like, I don't know. It, it, it is a little stupid to think of it that way, but I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I like that. I, it's weird. Um, I don't know how else to express it aside from aside from that, but we we made it. We're still alive. Um, and hey, look, Switch is still great. I love the Switch. It's just... Switch is fantastic. It's not yeah. quite as good as the Wii U, man. It doesn't have an internet browser, <laughs> right? Like, talk about the greatest YouTube player of all time is the Wii U. Nothing comes close. I mean, I think it's very easy and should be uncontroversial to say that there are significant aspects of the Switch where the Wii U is just so much better. Oh, and for sure. one of those is Nintendo's library and access to it. So, like... That old library, yeah, your you classics, can... you mean? Pardon? You mean the classics, right? Not the, the, not the library of first-party um, titles, because I think, probably quite roundly now, having put up most of those Wii U games on Switch, the Switch's first-party well, crushes Wii that U. That as well. Yeah. If you talk about Nintendo Switch exclusives versus Wii U exclusives, I mean, because of Breath of the Wild and Odyssey, I'd probably still go Switch. Yeah. But I think as an overall package, Wii U still has like a better diversity than Switch currently has, as much as I think Switch was going to... Switch is going to overtake that in the next couple oh, of, of years. Oh, of course, yeah. But yeah. yeah. Um, our final email this week is from Masterclaw, who says, Reggie showing off his custom-made Iwata amiibo got me thinking, if you could have one custom amiibo for any person or character, who would it be and what would it do in-game? I think this was... I don't know how long ago this email was, but this like... This was a while hey, ago, man, but Reggie yeah. doesn't work in Nintendo anymore. <laughs> uh, it hasn't for a while. I, mean, I, think, I think we got the question long after Nintendo, oh, uh, Reggie okay. had left Nintendo. All right. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, Bali, if you could have one amiibo for any person or character, who, who would it be? What would it do? Okay, so my boring answer, yeah. and I don't think this amiibo exists, okay. but I think a model exists of this is Toon Link in the King of Red Lions. Okay. Like, it's just, that's my most sort of nostalgic character i th- think it's one of those games that from a nostalgic perspective just got me into zelda and i love Wind waker everyone knows this and it's just i just think the design of king of red lions is also very cool he also plays a huge role in the plot of that game i think it represents a lot of what i love about that game so and this obviously the sailing which is <laughs> a huge aspect of that game that i'm a big fan of so my boring answer would be King of Red Lions. What would they do in game? Well, I've been advocating King of Red Lions should be in Smash Brothers for a long time now. <laughs> just as a character. Uh, just just a, a boat that just like flops along on the stage. If you can have a piranha plant in a pot, you can have a damn boat on this okay. great sea. Like, come All on. Right. Like, it's, it is doable. Um, so yeah, King of Red Lions for me. Uh, what would it do in other games? Um... I guess in like Mario Maker, you, know, you can platform as King of Red Lions. That's cool, right? You know, jumping around as a boat. Well, they took that shit out, man. Like that was only the Wii U version that they allowed yeah, the Amiibo costumes. Yeah. So. Another reason that Mario Maker 1 is better uh-huh, than 2, yep. um, for sure. Uh, and then, hey, I think King of Red Lions could be like one of those crazy moves in Bayonetta 2 or something, you know? Yeah, where, sure, yeah. Like it's one of her weapons. Um, she just bangs out the King of Red Lions and uses yeah. it to smack people. Also, just stick you don't even need wheels to be honest get king of red lions and mario kart like come on oh if we're yeah going that's for, a good if we're call. gonna go for this smashification of mario kart then toon link 100 has to be riding the king of red lions like there's just no question about it yeah no that makes sense i think you, that game should have multiple links a bit like smash brothers and yeah toon link he's got to be in king of red lions okay so that's your boring answer do you have an exciting answer or should i go oh i'll need to think about that while you give you okay answer. i don't do boring answers um my <laughs> my my answer is very simple and it, i know exactly what it does uh my answer is i would like a custom amiibo of mace windu um and what he does in game is you just get a purple lightsaber breath of the wild link has a purple lightsaber mario odyssey mario has a purple lightsaber whatever game you put him on you just get a purple lightsaber it's very simple um mace windu is a very cool character who i like a lot we just recently watched episode two he cu- cuts off uh jango fett's head spoilers for star wars but i mean come the fuck on um <laughs> uh mace windu he's a cool motherfucker right like he samuel L. jackson just told george lucas that he wanted a purple lightsaber he got a purple lightsaber what is more badass than a purple lightsaber the answer is nothing um yeah so so think of any game and uh just you know that character gets a purple lightsaber man um that's my answer so um i think it's a bit tragic that shovel knight seems to be the only indie character okay. who has one yeah um I'd probably go with someone like Madeline. She deserves a, a damn amiibo. Yeah, yeah, for know? sure. Like, yeah. I, Celeste is an incredible game. Um, and I think any game that you swipe the Madeline amiibo, you get her extra double jump. Okay. Like, but her hair changes colors. So I was going to say, like, like, any game that you swipe it on, you just get infinite accessibility options. You just get, <laughs> That's such a good yeah. one, yeah. I mean, you good, shouldn't yeah. lock that shit behind an amiibo, but, like... Yeah, I know. I can see Nintendo doing that, you know. So I'm playing Last of Us 2 part now. I can't... Uh, it's not accessible. I'll scan my... Scan... <laughs> amiibo into my also, scanning your Madeline amiibo to get a double jump in Last of Us Part 2 would be hilarious. <laughs> uh that would be pretty great 
Um, exactly. I mean, you know, I, I would take Ali wielding a purple lightsaber. You know, I'll do that. Um, oh, imagine a lightsaber in that last of us. That's just ridiculous. Oh, so good. Yep. Um, so, I don't know. I, I can't... Like, I just thought of Mace Windu and I was like, yeah, there's no other answer, is there, really? Like, that's that's the amiibo that should be made. Um, Do you know... Have you heard the story about why he has a purple lightsaber? I think I just said. Didn't he just ask George Lucas? Oh, right. Did you yeah. say that? Yeah. He just asked yeah. him. It's wild. Yeah. I mean, he's Samuel L. Jackson, man. He can get where fuck he wants. I know, but when you, when you hear other people speaking about Lucas and his view on that universe he's very specific about no no no, that can't happen because of this reason that reason or oh yeah but probably not because i want this actually to happen yeah. so for him to just be like yeah you can have a purple lightsaber seems really outside of lucas's whole ethos on that world yeah i think he he was just like i mean it's samuel L. jackson man i'll just do what this guy says right <laughs> like <laughs> i'm glad that he's in my movie in the first place uh that's also true. yeah i don't know um yeah i don't know there any other characters like any outside of video games that you would you'd want to be uh, an amiibo like i don't know i'm not mm. that into amiibo is a thing like i'm not having a custom made one would be cool like if i had a custom version of like myself as an amiibo that would be neat i guess or my me um but i don't know i've never been that into like the custom amiibo thing um or whatever it's they just don't the thing is that nintendo just have abandoned amiibo right like there's just there's no consistency with them anymore. There's no yeah. real reason to use them. There's nothing in games that has was, applicability that is interesting. It was a fad. It was a fad. Yeah. It was totally a fad. And like, I guess it was started by Disney Infinity, right? And then kind of everyone jumped on John. Well, it was started by Skylanders, then jumped oh, yeah. on by Disney, then jumped on by Disney. a bunch of other companies. Yeah. You know. So like everything else, Nintendo was slow to the party on this Um issue so yeah yeah and then but i mean the one thing nintendo has over all those other things is because they're nintendo characters they have this inherent last ability that not to say that disney characters don't but the amiibo they don't as much in a video game set sure the amiibo exist far more as collectibles rather than objects for use in game content um because they can be used across a bunch of different stuff it's just nobody does because it's not much worth it yeah uh, unfortunately yeah so cool well anyway thanks very much for your question master claw that was a good one um and that's all the time we have for emails this week but as i said if you would like to send an, e- an, an email please send it to this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com we always appreciate more emails um it's a fun part of the show Uh, That's all we've got time for. Join us after the break for part three.
Alright folks, welcome back to the third and final part of the show uh, wherein we're going to be talking about uh, some announcements that happened uh, there was a Pokemon presentation that happened where they announced some stuff and I was like I'm not going to watch that, uh, these tend to be boring and they focus on rubbish and then they announced fucking another Pokemon Snap game, that was a thing um, and uh, yeah, we've got some other little things to talk about from Gorilla Collective and uh, EA, did the EA Play event, so there's some Switch stuff there um, so a few things to chat about in terms of uh, news. It's a weird time, Bally, right? Like, how do you feel at the moment without E3, with all these little small, like, stream events going on? There was another one called, like, the Future of Games event. There was the PC Gamer show that happened. Like, there's a lot of these more sparse, uh, spread out things that are being announced. Yeah. Uh, it's It's a little different this year. It's one of those things where I think I'm not adverse to change. It's just that I think change takes getting used to and and it takes time to refine it as well right and it takes time to refine and make it better and i just don't think i'm used to it yet so say this kept going for the next two three years i think yeah i'd get used to it i get into the rhythm i'd be more used to kind of random and it feels a bit more random i might prefer if there was a bit more structure but personally i'm at the moment really missing the sort of three days of here's the timetable here's what you need to stay up for and this is what you can watch reactions to you know and see feedback on I'm missing that, but I'm I'm not adverse to change. It's almost like, you know, when like a podcast has a new co-host and yes. at first it feels really different. You're not so sure. And then a year later, you're like, I love that. I love that person. They're really, they add a really interesting dynamic to that podcast that mm-hmm. was very different to before. I think it's just about uh, getting used to change and I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you been watching much of the stuff that's been going on uh, surrounding like... I I didn't watch. I think I watched the Future of Games event with Easy Allies as they reacted to it. I don't. I didn't watch the PC Gamer one. No. I watched most of Guerrilla Collective Day One and then kind of fell off the other two days. Um, I think Day One was the main one where they announced a bunch of things. Yeah, but, um... I mean, I'm more or less checking into what I would check in with E3. So like Sony, Nintendo, Microsoft, Ubisoft, EA. Um, I've 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 not. I didn't do PC gaming show either. I've I watched the first Guerrilla Collective, most of the second, but not the third. Um, so yeah, I'm just sort of dipping in where I have the energy and interest to do it. And it, yeah, like, it's one of those things where if there are really awesome games being announced in trailers, they will kind of sift their way to the top. And like I have right. enough people I follow on Twitter where I trust that they will do the 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 long hours of digging up these <laughs> these games uh-huh. for me to yeah, yeah, check yeah. out the trailers and you know I'm, I'm i'm alert yeah there was that um it was a while ago now but there was that wholesome direct that also happened that was, which was very good neat. yeah that um, was neat i liked that and that had a lot of stuff coming to switch in there too so yeah that was definitely a lot more switch focused i felt than perhaps some of the other stuff but uh yeah so picking up what i can where i can but i'm not systematically going through the whole thing perhaps yeah that makes sense uh so yeah, let's talk about the uh, the Pokemon thing then, because as both of us kind of realized, well, you re- you messaged me and you were like, Pokemon Snap! And I was like, what? What are you talking about? I was like, oh shit, I was supposed to watch that Pokemon thing. I think I was playing Last of Us and I was like just in the middle of a, like, playing a video. I wasn't playing Night in the Woods or something. I was like not focusing on the news or Twitter. And I was like, what are you talking about, Bally? And I was like, oh fuck, did they really drop that during this 
Pokemon presentation that, by all accounts, everything else in it was pretty boring. I mean, okay, let's talk about Pokemon Smile really quick, though, because that was a fun little <laughs> thing. I, I really liked the um, the advert that they made for it with, like, the little kids and then being like, no, I'm not going to brush my teeth. And they're like, oh, yeah, I could be Pikachu. Let's brush my teeth. Um, that was very cute. I enjoyed that. I mean, I that would have made me brush my teeth when I was that age. Like, Of course I, it would, I, yeah. Like gamifying little things like that when you just do not want to do them as a child i think is has a valuable place in our society so well done for sure on company yeah uh you know what as an adult i might just download that for fun yeah. just to see what it is right like yes. uh, when's whatever. it out is it already out it's already out you can download it for free on the app store okay. on on google play so so check it out and uh and then they also uh, they talked a bit more about the dlc the dlc is out now i haven't got it because i've got too much other stuff to play at the moment i might check in with it like at the end of the year when the second pack comes out maybe um, when it goes down in price maybe we'll we'll see how that shakes out but um from all accounts that's just like a, a bigger wild area that seems a bit more well designed in terms of its, its levels and, and things like that so yeah that was more of an advert but um surprisingly like in the middle of this as opposed to like opening with it or closing with it which is what you would expect from a big announcement like maybe the pokemon company don't view it as a big announcement i'm not sure but new pokemon trust nintendo i'm gonna stop you right there mbz i'm gonna stop right there okay all right it's it's new and and it's it's new not new and think about it Uh, right mew is a pokemon is mew called uh mew or mew bali okay this is the problem (laughs) with me talking to americans for half of my life now on the internet just answer this question why isn't mew called mew that's what i want to know because that's not how you say it. <laughs> so it's new, it. not new. It is new, yes. I'm sorry that I've been Americanized and radicalized all right, by all to, fucking let's Nick. Let's draw that line in the sand before we moved on any further. See, the thing is, Bali, I don't even realize I'm doing it. I know, that's, that's how why bad I'm it is. It out. <laughs> Thanks for calling it out, but like... I'm sorry that my cadence on my vocabulary has been Americanized by every American I've talked to over Skype and the internet for the last decade of my life, probably more um, at this point. So, yes. New Pokemon Snap got announced. Of course, Nintendo, the company obsessed with the word new for some reason, but a new Super Mario Brothers, new Luigi U, it's all just their entire existence is brand around the new Nintendo 3DS, for God's sake. Well, I've heard, I think James Jones on RFN has talked about how Japan as a culture, or they just like that word for some reason. They, but J- Japan, English, so the two languages that are very cool in Japan are French and English. Like These are very cool languages. So you get t-shirts and things that just say random English words, and they're not used for the meaning of the word. They're used because using English is cool. Like it, and I just think yes. that it's just a, it's just a broad mistranslation of the word "new" and it's in terms of its usage, and uh-huh. it's more about the brand than the meaning. Very true. Yeah, that probably makes sense, but I still dislike it strongly. Yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> If they're going to do it in Japan, fine. When they bring it over here, please, like, localize it properly. It's very Um, much Japan executives who probably don't speak a ton of English thinking that it's the right way forward, you know? (laughs) Sure, yeah. um, Not realizing that, like, the original new Super Mario Brothers is very much not new (laughs) at all anymore. Especially fourth Um, time around. Exactly, exactly. So... So anyway, enough castigating Nintendo and Game Freak over or uh, Pokemon Company over bad naming practices. Uh, Bali, you are very excited by this, I'm sure, because you're a huge fan of the original Pokemon Snap. It has been 20 years. It's so 
incredible when these announcements that people have just it's it, pokemon snap was in there amongst you know f-zero wave race advanced wars it's just these games that you don't think they're and it's actually older than all of those um in terms of games coming back and it's really refreshing to see it we are now like how many six more generations down the line since the first game um i have huge nostalgia for this game it's the first game i ever picked up on a home console on my n64 Uh, i got a secondhand n64 uh, roughly more or less the time that Pokemon Snap came out, which I think was in the year 2000, maybe 99 or 01. I'd need to check that. But um, yeah, it was I, peak Pokemon fever time. Peak essentially. Pokemon fever. Um, I absolutely love this game. It's got a lot of replayability. I think the characterization of Oak and just like him reacting to, like he's got a he's got a pre-recorded. F- a phrase he says where it'll be like nice shot and when you're going back through your pictures that you select for him to rate and it's just a really unique game mechanic and it's a really at the time other than pokemon stadium it was the only like 3d realized world of pokemon um which was very cool and i appreciated hugely and i am very excited from what we've seen i like that the format doesn't look very different it literally just looks like a shinier version of the same game and that's totally what i'm up for because there are so many new pokemon new environments uh but keeping that linear track that your uh vehicle moves down uh take pictures pick the best picture show them to oak i'm sure we'll see some more um you know features of the game but i don't want them going too far from that core path that the first game i think got got just right so you don't think this is a remake of any sort? It looks like a brand new game to you, right? Um, I mean, there is a beach area like the first game. There is a forest area like the first game. But I'm pretty convinced it's a very different beach area and a different forest area. And I and obviously was... all the Pokemon will be different, or at least they are going to be putting a bunch of new Pokemon in there at this point. Yeah, I mean... I think there'll be nods. I think they'll like we've already seen Pikachu in a very similar position. So Pikachu was like in every single level in the previous game, and there's like multiple different. You can shoot like Articuno riding Pikachu, Pikachu riding Articuno, Balloon Pikachu, Surfing, surfing Pikachu, Pikachu, yeah, <laughs> Pikachu eating an apple, like Pikachu using Thunderbolt. Like there's a million different Pikachus you could get in the first game. I think it'll do that again. Likewise, I think some famous Pokemon from the first game might come back. So gyarados coming out the waterfall or something um I, I imagine they'll probably just dip into the nostalgia a bit on a couple of those from the first 150 uh 151 i should say because the final level of the first game was around based around mew um i'm sure mew might come back and yeah i'm just excited to see all these other generations of pokemon and i think more areas would be good uh more i mean the diversity of areas in the first game was very good so improving that is is like not not a big deal i think it's going to be it's going to be great it's going to be diverse and you only want it to be like a six to seven hour game really to beat every level and try and get a picture of every pokemon um and yeah making it challenging i i think that you had like pestables and apples and the poker flute in the first game i think those are aspects they'll probably mix up and you might see some new items um and yeah, I do we think this game's coming out this year, like end of this year? I don't know. They they kind of said uh, under construction at the end was the sign that they put up, which I don't know yeah. what that means, like what stage it's in. I mean, there's not normally a big lead time between Pokemon games getting announced and them coming out, right? They don't yeah, kind of yeah. dangle the carrot for years on end. It's more or less, no. here it is, and it's coming out end of this year. So sure. 
I guess they're not confident for the end of this year. Otherwise, they would have just said now because that's... Yeah, probably just as a result of yeah. the situation of the world. Uh, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And likewise, maybe they don't want it clashing with a potentially let's go Johto or um, what is it what phase are we on now diamond and pearl remakes like right there's always Gentle a chance remakes. one of those is coming at the end of this year so we'll see um i'm very excited and i think it looks it's one of those things where it doesn't look as good as it could look but it still looks so much better than the first game obviously um and you know what i don't need it looks a lot better than anything game freak has done in recent well, memory that's as also well true and i don't need it to look any better than it looks honestly it's hitting all the right notes for me and i couldn't be happier that's great yeah i i'm excited to to pick it up and try it because i i remember you bought me pokemon yeah. snap for a birthday present when you could gift games and you just ignored it <laughs> to this day <laughs> <laughs> on the wii back then you could the gift wii. games on the wii you can't even do that today on switch nintendo what are you doing with yourselves um but yeah i i did play some of it on the wii virtual console oh, and i remember i think i sent you a picture of a zapdos or a moltres at one point in time cool. through the wii message board uh but yeah i never got that deep into it did you have any early impressions uh i yeah i enjoyed it i guess i i, I don't know i was i don't i didn't play it enough to really get a good understanding of, of what made pokemon snap special my overriding memory of it was just being at your house watching you play pokemon snap for the most part right and being like ah, oh, yeah there's this one that you couldn't get and you were very obsessed with getting it and then yeah yeah you're like can we play pokemon Pokedex. stadium now <laughs> yeah exactly i was like <laughs> come on man, let's just for. do let's put all our pokemon into stadium and watch them fight because that's fun um, and look at our for the most part. yeah totally uh so that's great like i think this is it is one of those mythical games almost of like yeah. are they ever going to return to pokemon snap turns out yeah finally they decided what reason who the hell knows nintendo and game freak and i think switch might be the reason you know like this might have been in an, an, a big idea uh, for a long time duh bally the wii u was the perfect system for pokemon snap no, for fuck's not, sake like not in terms literally... of literally not in terms of sales that's what no like, commercial no, no i know i agree with you i agree with you Oh, it's so infuriating. It's literally like a camera you can turn around an environment. Like, oh my goodness, Christ. Oh. oh, Nintendo and Pokemon and everything to do with that. Just, I think oh. this gives me hope for, you know, wave races and F-Zeros, you know. If you're gonna, Does it though? Because if, if you're going to reboot, you might, as re, you might as well reboot on a very successful system with a huge install base. That is. So what you're telling me is that new F-Zero is going to be announced uh, for 2021. It is happening. Well, I'm still not... I wouldn't rule out them rolling F-Zero and Mario Kart into some sort of conglomerate, to be honest. That's Uh that's my new theory going, I think. Um, Smash Brothers, F-Zero, and Mario Kart in one game. Um, Yeah. I wouldn't rule that out. I think they're basically like halfway there already. Exactly, with the upgrades of deluxe and marika 8 so who knows yeah cool um yeah i'm looking forward to it i don't know if it will come out this year but it would be nice because nintendo's lineup otherwise is pretty thin still um paper mario coming down the line but yeah we uh we need to we need a bit more uh and uh, the other big announcement was uh which will be exciting because now bali and i don't have to feel guilty about talking about apex legends on this podcast is that it's coming to switch baby <laughs> ea play announced uh some, a cool thing about apex is that they're finally doing cross play i don't think they mentioned cross progression which I, I don't know how they'd figure that out anyway because i've got like a bunch of different unlocks on ps4 compared to pc and like how they would like merge my account maybe i don't know but at least cross play is now possible yeah, which I mean- means that 
I could play on PC, you could play on Switch, I could play on PS4, you could play on Switch, I could play on Switch, you could play on PS4. Like, oh. and it would all work across oh, the board, incredible. which is just a nice thing. And I'm also, I'm really interested to see what Respawn can do with the Switch hardware, because they've never done a Nintendo game before. Um, it is the type of game that ordinarily doesn't run particularly well on a system like Switch, but who knows? It, it has to be at least 30 frames per second. It has to work like Fortnite does, right? Where you can play with other people but it will put you in a pool mainly of switch players if you're playing on that system um for the most part i think so. what's more shocking is that ea just has this horrendous relationship with nintendo and that oh yeah garbage but they were like okay now the switch has sold so many that we want cross play and they're probably sorting out cross play between the other four um sort of systems and thought we should probably, like, from a market perspective, we we should really be on Switch. And, you know, it's been made, obviously made by, the decision made by some executive and whatever, but it's promising and I'm very curious to see what it will look like. Um, because Yeah, for sure. Like, frame rate is very important to first-person shooters and we know how powerful the Switch is. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, I, I mean, I'm not personally tied at all to... If my account can't move over, I I don't care about skins and stuff that much. Oh, my level! Like if I can right. still play as my favorite legend and shoot up some switch using noobs, then like <laughs> I'm I'm up for that. You know, I don't need, I don't mind if I lose all my my snake skin um, right outfit for Bloodhound or something. You know. I mean, I got a, a lot of nice Loba outfits, so it would be a bit disappointing, but you know. Yeah, you do have a, a, a right nice... Um... It, it is ultimately stupid because you never see them when you play the game, <laughs> but and yet people get obsessed with them. I don't I, I don't understand it, even me, and I just don't... I don't get it, man. Why? Like, why do, why do our brains work this way? It's really, really silly. Um, but uh, the other thing EA Play announced was that they're bringing seven titles to switch and they didn't really say any of them they were like oh, oh trust us seven games are coming and we're like well, well what games um because burnout paradise just recently came out on switch which is a infamous uh like very very popular game in the burnout series that probably playstation 3 era yeah it was 360 and um, like it famously jeff gersman played this in his interim between getting fired from GameSpot and starting giant bomb uh I think he argues that Burnout Paradise is the best game of that generation for him personally. Um, so yeah, people love Burnout Paradise, and you you never play you played Burnout. I played Burnout Two too. Point of Impact, and yeah. I absolutely loved it at the time. Um, it's it's one of those things where as I'm continuing this journey, learning about driving games and arcade versus simulation, I think Burnout's a good example of maybe a game that's a little bit too arcadey for me i don't like the emphasis on crashing like i so again it's where forza i think gets the balance right are you interested in picking it up on switch the remaster because i i think i heard blessing on kind of funny talk about it that's a very good version of that game maybe maybe i've i mean there's just a lot of driving games i still need to try out and play and i'm kind of more interested in picking up forza horizon 3 in australia because i think that's a yeah really cool sure game. it's just it's actually really hard to find a cheap version of that so oh, um that it's sucks. like 30 quid which i guess mm. is cheaper but versus yeah game pass it's not that cheap but yeah and right i think there's going to be a forza game later this year as well so that's kind i've kind of become a forza fanboy and i don't mean to mean that anything as burnout but uh, that's kind of where my driving views are right now sure yeah no problem um 
uh yeah and then yeah i don't know what else they would bring i mean my my prediction is that they're gonna do the mass effect trilogy remastered and they're gonna put that on switch which would be does that count as three games <laughs> or, or one i yeah <laughs> or oh boy you're really stretching the definition of ea here but probably like in ea's mantra they're like seven games coming to switch what it actually means is like two collections of trilogies <laughs> of some kind and it's like oh dear well yeah we'll we'll see but i'm I feel like that is gonna happen now, right? Like that feels very inevitable that Mass Effect remasters will be put out on current gen and next gen, and also be put on Switch. Um, that cool would be a smart thing to do. Um, and yeah, and then there was like other games that were shown here and there at the other things. I don't know if you have any in particular that you wanted to highlight, Bally, but um, um, I don't know the me... name of it, but you'll be able to help me. It's the one, okay. it's the RPG where you're playing as like a couple on this yes. strange looking planet and you, Space skate, planet. you skate around. Yes, uh, it's called Haven. Haven. Haven is yes. made by the Game Bakers, which is a great studio name. Back to our <laughs> email a few such weeks a ago. Name. Oh my god! Yeah, I would uh, shout out to the Game Bakers. What a oh, great studio! The best. Um, and they made Fury. Do you remember Fury Bally? It's a um, kind of no. top-down action game where you do boss fights. It's basically a boss rush game, and it had a great style to it. I was always interested in it back in the day. It's kind of this mix of like character action alongside bullet hell like a lot of the bosses throw a lot of like shit out at you that you have to dodge and get in between and like use your sword and then there's this kind of parry mechanic when you're getting close to the boss anyway fury was a very cool game a couple of years back and i've been meaning to check it out but uh this is their follow-up called haven which is very different in tone still keeps the similar art style but has i really like the vibes the music as well like it's it feels like a very chill kind of narrative game that has turn-based rpg combat in it that seems like you're cooperating with the two characters at once uh very very promising stuff like i'm i'm very excited by it and it was shown off a while ago but you know it's it's being reintroduced now and hopefully that comes out soon um mm, i don't know yeah. when that will be probably next year i would imagine um and uh, and then the other one that i picked up uh, or picked out that was interesting to me was the only one i went and wishlisted on steam which i yeah we were talking about this and I'm, i don't know how wishlisting on steam helps developers maybe it's just it pushes them up in the rankings on steam maybe it's that having it on your wishlist will remind you with an email when it goes on sale yeah. like maybe they've done a study that it's, it's proven that if if you have a game on your wishlist you're more likely to actually pick it up versus forget about it right yeah 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 yeah. that makes sense and um uh yeah so the one that i did was uh gestalt uh steam and cinder i think it might be called uh, maybe got that backwards but uh gestalt and i i picked this one out because i had seen gifs floating around twitter of the animation of the main character like wielding a weapon and like the strobe effect that comes off the weapon when you wield it and uh, as soon as i saw that i was like oh i recognize this and it's like hey it's a pixel art metroidvania that has a almost indiana jones vibe with like the hat and stuff and uh yeah definitely up my street like very very cool looking uh the type of thing that i would be very interested in picking up day one on switch uh which likely it will come out on because those types of games perform very well on nintendo's platform um so so yeah gestalt was the other one but yeah there's there's so many like i think this becomes the problem with this type of event is that there are a hundred thousand indie games happening all at once in the world and it's literally impossible to keep track of them all and and what you really hope for with these types of presentations is that there's one or two that speak to you and those are the ones you go after and you hope that people will find that one or two amongst you know all of them and and it seems like guerrilla collective definitely just made the decision rather than do 
one presentation with the best of the best they've just sort of said well everyone can be included and we'll just do three long presentations and I get why they want to do that for like the politics of keeping everyone on side, you know, and all this. But as the the viewer, it is quite difficult to remember kind of standouts and actually sit through all of it, you know. Yeah, really, it shows you how tough it is to market games when the sea is just so flooded. Like it's just completely crowded with options and things and stuff will come on sale and yeah. go to game pass and go to all these services and the humble and it's where if you're an indie if you can get inside say a nintendo presentation a sony presentation or an ea presentation it makes a really big difference to like just totally. the number of eyes on it and getting uh sorting out through all the the clutter you know Right, would I have remembered Bug Snacks as clearly had it been exactly. a shorter 30 yeah. second trailer in a Gorilla Collective? Yeah. Very and unlikely, it just won right? the internet. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It, it destroyed. Um, yeah, but Bug Snacks it, it feels like a game that could come to Switch. Yeah. Seems like it's a timed Sony exclusive, right? Mm, but like right. that could come to the platform. Um, and the other one, Goodbye Volcano High with the Sad Dinosaurs absolutely as well that's like, very good a lot of these that sony were throwing up on their their screen were like hey these are kind of limited timed exclusives they'll probably go elsewhere um and to be honest nintendo have their fair share of that at the moment most indies will do an exclusive couple of months with nintendo before they go to the other platforms because that's where they'll sell the best uh, for the most part so so yeah i think uh i think that covers most things anything else Bally, you wanted to pick up um at all? just that maybe it's a little surprising and i know nintendo haven't done a direct and it's rumored they might do one they might not do one um it's maybe surprising that they didn't just do their own sort of indie collective show at this point in time this summer i know they've done a couple much earlier in the year but that's yeah. the sort of thing where us as switch owners nintendo fans we tune in for we could and we and nintendo could hand pick what they think are some of the interesting indies to pick out but there you go yeah i'm curious if it's been enough time yet for them to have you know gotten further in projects where they maybe work with more indies with their own ip like they did with cadence of hyrule like is that a one-off are they doing more of that i would like to hear um, i think if we i think if we see one it probably will be one but uh, one is still awesome if they could if they do like one a year like that that's pretty cool i mean cadence was fantastic fairly recently so yeah yeah it was recent enough to where it makes it a bit trickier but potentially later on this year when they do have one because i think the rumors were like they were going to do one in maybe august or something but it wouldn't it, it got delayed massively because of everything going on so cool uh yeah that's uh probably going to close us out uh the arms presentation is happening so i might just insert here uh we might record a bonus bit about uh smash brothers arms character so if that happens and we do it here it is so uh the super smash brothers presentation just happened and we just watched it so here's this little bonus extra thing thrown into the podcast uh they revealed that the arms character coming to smash brothers is in fact min min uh min min the ramen lady she literally has a ramen bowl as her hat um and i think noodles ramen noodles are her hair and then also i think her arms are made out of ramen as well uh and uh yes it seems like it seemed like the internet was uh believing she was going to be the character mainly because she's the most popular one in japan but also because she'd won you remember when they did those like arms crash tournaments that they were kind of supposed to be like splat splat fests um, okay where you would like 
people would play as certain characters and whatever she was the winner of multiple of those i believe uh which is why i think she was probably chosen uh, but then sakurai said in the presentation that it was the producer of the game or who who said or the director who said ah yes i would like it to be min min so that's why so basically he, it was his sakurai choice said he was interested in potentially doing ninjara ninjara yeah he's yeah. like the ninjury type guy which but they then... gave him like a bonus costume as well uh, as yes. part of the the me fighters stuff but uh uh min min what do you what do you think of min min bali before we start can i just say how cool it is that um they showed what video game console sakurai owns including... yeah I, I look i love sakurai doing presentations because he kind of gets away with whatever the hell he wants and so he can show his like playstation dual... pro his just sitting there. massive fucking televisions by the way two huge tvs side by side with like every console known to man underneath <laughs> them and he then admits that he's like oh yes because i like watching tv when i play video games i'm like sakurai my man like we're multitasking i'm with <laughs> yes. you it's exactly what i do so i i feel him and it's so. very like small you can barely fit two people on that sofa sort of oh sofa. tiny it was yeah very minimalist living room i was very impressed I mean, it, it kind of is in keeping with Japan, right? Like, they tend to keep things very tidy um, and yes. very, like, immaculate. So I wasn't surprised to see that, especially when he's putting his house on a presentation. But, like, yeah. no trace of dust anywhere, just completely clean every measure. Just absolutely... Uh, it was fun to see inside Sakurai's uh, home. Um, so yeah. that was, that was yeah. pretty cool. Um, but, but, yeah, yeah. Min Min, I think she kind of reinvents a lot of the norms when you think about how you make a smash character so for example it's she doesn't seem to have like smash attacks it's like you basically have these long range attacks where one button normally your special button is like a smash attack and your uh neutral regular button a is a um regular attack like a melee attack whereas a in this case controls the right arm i believe and the b button the special normally the special button controls the left arm so you're just controlling these two arms with and they're not special attacks or regular attacks they're kind of like this halfway house which i just think is really unusual and you kind of just throw them out like like an arm obviously like spring spring loaded yeah it's, it's basically trying to replicate what the joy cons do in arms which is one is one arm one is the other arm so obviously the way sakurai like i really love just the way he translates mechanics from games into smash brothers he's literally just mapped it to like okay the two buttons will be the two arms uh and like it makes sense it's it's cool it's different and like you say that it's like adding new mechanics but i think that's kind of the case with every new dlc character they seem to add something unique that hasn't been done before in smash brothers whether it be like heroes crazy like mana um usage with all his spells that you can do yeah. or, or something else like he's definitely pushing the envelope when it comes to changing up the the style of of different things you can do with characters yeah the, like the the most recent say 10 characters are just infinitely more innovative than you know back and like the more the closer we are to the present day just the more innovative the characters are like generally yes like, it's just if, if say a character like i don't know captain falcon or ganondorf came into the game tomorrow i think they'd have just a really reinvented moveset compared to the fairly standard movesets i guess they both have because they've kind of inherited it through other games you know basically yeah and, th- and that's one of the things that people discuss like when there's going to be a new smash brothers game do they 
are they able essentially to get rid of all these characters because they can justify it by being like oh mario is completely different now we've totally changed his moveset to something totally new and just do it that way like that's that's a way for them to get away with it but who knows future of smash brothers is so weird because we're just in this place where there is infinite characters and the game is ridiculously huge yeah i don't know what to do i'd argue that you have a cutoff and then you say everyone before the cutoff we're going to reinvent everyone after can more or less remain the same and obviously a bit updated i guess but i just yeah yeah. the debate is where would that cutoff be totally uh but i'm very excited to play as min min some other cool things she can do is so similar to like lucina you can angle her attacks um like you know with sword strikes there so i think it's the side b with martha and lucina you can angle it up down or center there are a few characters that do that but the arms can can angle and um, you can also change out your arm so the down b is changing between like a really heavy powerful arm one that's faster um and has like a wide range to it but not as much damage and then the dragon which seems to be like the the base damage arm but also if you hold it down it shoots out a laser beam at the end which is pretty cool Mm. um so so yeah that stuff is cool and then also one of the other things she does is she has some kicks her just her movement overall it feels like my type of smash brothers character which is like doing the dive kick uh doing a slide like those types of moves are the ones that i'm definitely in for um and she does like close-up melee kicks as well Mm. um but you can do an up tilt which acts as a reflector so if salmon shoots samus shoots a salmon, salmon? <laughs> yeah let's <laughs> the new smash brothers character a random salmon out of the sea uh, new splatoon run. character uh there's there must be a salmon character in splatoon right <laughs> salmon run that's the thing well there's salmon run salmon run that is i guess the the villains are the salmon right it's sure waves of salmon hey man we need those villains from splatoon where's the giant octopus he should be the next smash right. character um anyway as i was saying the up tilt acts as a not really a counter but like a projectile reflector like palutena's reflector like uh fox's and falco's reflector uh which is really cool so it it has that ability to it and you can kind of utilize it as a defensive measure as well um, mm-hmm. so so yeah she's coming out on the 29th of june so not too long to wait about a week or so and uh yeah i'm excited uh, i'm definitely gonna to- jump back into smash brothers two things i'd point out from the sort of little bit of gameplay sakurai did uh one was that it just seems like you're constantly throwing out these arms it looks incredibly spammy but obviously there's a lot more to it than that it just yeah because you don't have neutral moves or special moves it's just this one type of move it's more or less that's what she is forced to constantly be doing in a way it's almost like olimar and throwing his pikmin in a way like that's yeah, his, yeah that's his thing and that if you want to try there's not really techniques you can do beyond his thing in the same way this is min min's thing um, right and then the other thing i i think i noticed but correct me if you saw otherwise was that when you part of the way in which min min is so vulnerable to close-up attacks is that when you record like withdraw your arm so when they come back from having been extended they don't seem to make any contact or do any damage on the way back it only seems to be on the way out yeah it seems like on the way out and then it has like a damage window like when she does the the ram ram one which has a bit of a spinning arc to it that one he said had like a certain amount of a window where it's out there where it does do damage but yeah you're right when it comes back it's not like a boomerang where it can hit you on the back end as well as the front end it seems only on the front end it can actually do damage which makes sense because they're slower coming back like there's no momentum behind them um so it it makes sense for them to not really affect other characters i'd be interested if like pro players can 
utilize her spacing properly or whether pro players will just kind of work her out very quickly and just be like, yeah. right, you have to get up close and beat her and you're going to win, you know? Right. Is it like a little Mac situation? Because Sakurai says that she's much better on the ground than she is in the air. Um, ah, although right. she does have decent recovery, right? Like she has the, the rope style recovery, which is a standard that we've come to see across this game with a lot of different characters. Um, but she also has like a boost jump that you have to hold down, which I'm not the biggest fan of boost jumps. But to be honest, when she's off stage, I'm fine with it just being the rope version. Because like Diddy Kong's the prime example where I suck as him because when I'm off stage, I try to do my up B and I'm like, oh no, I have to hold it down don't i and then you mess up i i mess up anyway because i always yeah, forget about yeah. it but um uh, but yeah no the, the other stuff that he showed quickly was like some amiibo there's a new joker amiibo which looks amazing like amiibo just keep looking better and better don't they yeah except for the hero one i wasn't i didn't think that looked as good no, um they're quite yeah. detailed to me yeah his face the hero faces on the hero wasn't that uh well okay. done i thought but obviously they're still in production and, and trying to figure out what to do um but they also showed some amiibo costumes the one that i thought was hilarious was they do tekken and a haihachi and like there's this famous thing from tekken where haihachi like i think throws someone in a volcano and so they throw they show him on the wii sports stage over the volcano throwing another character into the <laughs> volcano so I, that was very funny i've done um, the homework they have i mean sakura always does he's every single I, I guarantee you every like shot of those meek fighters is some sort of in joke uh, regarding that series or something to do with it yeah because um, that's what he loves to do but also i think the one that stood out to me was like vault boy from fallout uh is now a me costume yeah. as well um which he didn't mention any music coming alongside that which is interesting because with characters like that like cuphead you expect that as a thing now that they've been doing is like here's at least one music track from the series and the fact that bethesda uh i guess maybe sakura didn't ask for a music track i don't know it, it seems weird because it's a much more high profile character uh, mm. as a mm. me costume it's good to see bethesda on board for something like that you know it's interesting oh, totally, that they're, yeah. they're the sort of company into those things um and working with other companies i guess i mean let's be honest Bally. if you were asked to have anything in smash brothers as a video game company who's going to turn that down right like it's such an easy advertisement for your franchises and your games i think i mean i think like sony probably would but i don't know yeah i mean so that, that would make more sense but like if we're talking maybe. third parties uh or even microsoft at this point because they actually have a full-on character in the game i also think um, ea and ubisoft are a bit inward looking perhaps in comparison well you say that but like there are Ezio costumes and rabbit costumes that ubisoft have, have done that, that stuff that's true that um, is true ea for certain like you're not going to get fucking fate or whatever her name from mirror's edge or or, or something like that yeah or, as yeah. cool as that would be right um yeah that's that's not going to happen so uh anyway uh i think that probably just wraps up the sakurai presentation um so any other last thoughts about it i just i want him to present everything He's, uh, he's so we've got, let me just check we've got five more characters or it's four more including yeah we've got five more five more to come after five this. more to come after this right okay that's cool it's awesome i think this is a great announcement i think min min looks cool and um now that we've had a nintendo character i'd imagine the next one probably won't be a nintendo character which is even more exciting so we'll yeah see. You, you like to think uh, yeah. but we shall see uh things are there is no more rhyme and reason in smash brothers anymore Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's 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 all uh, open season. So uh, excited to hear about that. But uh, for now, let's uh, get back to the show. 
And we're back. Uh, that was a great discussion we had about the Arm Smash Brothers <laughs> character. Um, I was so surprised that uh, it was actually Paper Mario from Origami King and, and not a regular Arms character. But huh. there you go. I'm just happy um, they had that F Zero um, game coming out bonus announcement at the end. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that was shocking. Truly, yeah. just um, but good good news nonetheless. Uh, all right, let's close out the show, Bali. Where can people go if they want to support us uh, with their hard-earned cash uh what can they do if they would like to do they can so? support us on patreon um we're hugely thankful to everyone who supports us on patreon patreon but i want to shout out our ten dollar tier patrons they are atari alex thomas matthew and my fiance caroline thank you very much for your ten dollar tier support absolutely thanks uh matthew a recent ten dollar uh, support yeah, appreciate thanks. that uh and uh and yeah you can find us patreon.com slash this nintendo life uh we can get a bunch of bonus episodes and, and fun stuff and uh and yeah you can find us all over the place on the internet our twitter account is at tnl podcast um, where you can uh, see updates on what we're doing you can also find our youtube channel youtube.com slash this nintendo life which I, I don't think we talked about on the show but we are now doing the youtube uh, version day and date with the yes. actual podcast uh so timestamps on everything same day so if you prefer the youtube version you now get it on the same day on the monday uh which is good yeah and uh yeah we just something long overdue we should have probably done a while yeah. ago a few but... people picked on picked up on it in our survey so um thanks yeah. for pointing that out and we thought yeah well, we can we can do that so here you are feeling the effects of the survey and yeah. the things you told us already so that's, that's <laughs> good to hear uh and uh, and yeah and then you can obviously find us individually on twitter i'm at lord nbz um i just started the final wheel of time book bali and i tweet every time i tweet about wheel of time you just use the hashtag twitter of time and i get like 30 <laughs> likes on a tweet without trying because there's a big community uh, of wheel of time fans on twitter and uh it, it just feels nice to get lots of likes on a tweet so if i ever feel like Great. i need some likes let's just talk about wheel of time uh, and tag people <laughs> that's that's good so i just hashtag that hashtag and then just kind of tweet about something else and still get those yes there yeah let's see what happens get my hits uh, that'd be funny absolutely uh bally where can they find you i'm on twitter at ballyman91 that's b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n-9-1 you can find us on the internet uh with like stitcher and spotify and other places and you can go review us on itunes that would be nice that'd be good please please review us on itunes <laughs> slash apple podcast whatever the hell they call it these days i don't know they, they names yeah been a while since we had a review so we would appreciate um any reviews if you haven't done so yet we would actually we'll read that. it out we'll read it and out we'll read it out it's a good one unless you give us one star and you're mean to us then we'll, or maybe we will read it out on the show and just i don't know just internalize all the terrible things that you say about us because we're actually bad uh no please don't do that please just give us nice reviews um, that'll be good uh yeah and i think that's pretty much it <laughs> anything else a oh, reminder backlog club nintendogs plus yes. cats play along with us um send your emails that classic 3ds launch game absolutely send your emails to bally what email address so that they can give us their thoughts on nintendo's plus cats as everyone obviously plays along with us please email this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com uh we also have a backlog club thread on our discord server uh link to that discord server in the description and on twitter at tnl podcast you can find it there it's a great community to hang out chat online uh-huh 
Cool. That's going to close things. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back in another couple of weeks with more chatter about Nintendo video games and the world. Until then, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye, folks. interludes used on today's show were crash and burn again from unravel 2 copyright coldwood interactive 2018 and the main theme from arms copyright nintendo 2017